Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Thorne Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcott from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the Edelman. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. I thank you for uh, downloading this week's episode. And if you are a newcomer to the show, then I welcome you to the program Uh, Today will be a little different than uh, for those who are returning listeners. It'll be a little different than what you've been used to. Uh, This has been a weird week, and it's been a hard week for a lot of reasons. And I've been I've been really struggling with how to actually. Well, first off, if I was going to do an episode this week, because I really didn't feel like it, and if so, what the episode should look like. First, let me tell you, um, it's been tough. It's been tough for my family lately, just because my my wife is having to live away from us uh, as a nursing instructor. And when I say away from us, I mean she is physically away from us, but she is. We see her every day, and we can talk to her every day, but it's not it's not the same. She's living in a trailer in our driveway. She's a nursing instructor and is taking students uh, into the field. Uh, and we have a daughter, a special needs daughter with um, uh, an immune deficiency, who would be. Uh, Greatly at risk, put it that way, if uh, she was to come down with COVID-19. So my wife is living in a trailer. Thanks. A shout out to Arcan RV for supplying us with that trailer. Um, but it has been stressful and it's been hard on uh, everyone in the family. And anytime you turn on the news right now, it just seems like the world is on fire. And uh, there have been very few moments of positivity. A lot of the people that you've heard on this show over the last 15 years, I've made a lot of friends through the show, media friends, and and uh, obviously a lot of them live in the States. And all the news footage uh, coming out of that country this um, the last couple of weeks has just been heartbreaking and and hard for me to process. And um, even now, I, I mean, I've been thinking about what to say and now that I'm here saying it, I, I really don't know how to formulate my thoughts. Uh, and I apologize for that. Listen, I, I'm a white guy. I grew up in northeastern Alberta in Canada, which I think most people consider to be a, a fairly non-racist uh, country to start with. But as I've grown older, I, I, I've come to realize we are no saints up here either. Racism is everywhere. And just real quickly... Um, going back to my childhood, I didn't know a lot of people of different ethnicities or races. 
I had a friend named Jason who lived a block away from me for a couple of years. And this is really early, like uh, grade three, grade four. And about at that same time, there was another girl named uh, Fatima. And other than Jason and Fatima, I don't think I had exposure to non-white people other than First Nations uh, kids, uh, because in that part of Alberta, uh, there are a lot of uh, First Nations. But I didn't have exposure to other cultures. It wasn't until I grew up and, and finished high school and moved to Edmonton that I became much more exposed to people who didn't look like me and people who had different ideas and different experiences and a different perspective than I have and that I'd always known. I can tell you today that I don't believe that I am a racist at all. And I would like to think that I have never been, but I think I would be wrong to say that. But I think growing up, I probably did have prejudice and judge people incorrectly and may even have treated people poorly. But I know in my heart I've grown out of that and I've become a better person. I really don't understand racism. You're, you're judging somebody and the value of that person based on the pigmentation of their skin. Why not hair? Why not eyes? It, it, it really is It's stupid and it's ignorant. But me saying that isn't enough, and I think all of us have to be active. And uh, when we see instances, or you know, friend, you hear friends making jokes that aren't appropriate. I think we have to be proactive to get rid of that. And I think we've, you know, in a lot of ways, I think society has done that when it comes to other types of minority groups, you know, based on sexual orientation or or what have you, but racism seems like it's been <laughs> for forever and it doesn't seem to get any better and i don't understand it and i can't put myself in the position of somebody who deals with racism because i am a white guy i've been pulled over for speeding i've been pulled over by police but when i have i didn't fear for my life because of it and so when people say black lives matter i know there are people out there who get upset by that Michael Che from uh, Saturday Night Live uh, had a uh, comedy special from 2016 where he kind of talked about that. I'm going to share that clip. Uh, I'm sure you, you've probably seen it as it's been uh, circulated a lot here on social media over the last couple of weeks. But he explains what the whole Black Lives Matter is, is all about uh, a lot better than I can. Um, there is a little bit of cursing in this, so uh, keep that in mind. But uh, I'm going to share this clip with you, and then uh, I'll get into... I'm doing with this week's episode. Here's uh, Michael Che from uh, Saturday Night Live, but this is from a comedy special of his uh, that was on uh, Netflix back in 2016. As a country, we just can't agree. We just fight about everything. We can't even agree on Black Lives Matter. That's a controversial statement. Black Lives Matter. Not matters more than you, just matters. <laughs> matters. Just matters. That's where we're starting the negotiations. Matters. We can't agree on that shit. What the fuck is less than matters? Black lives exist. Can we say that? Can we say... Is that controversial? We always ask for the lowest common denominator. 
We ask for the lowest rights. Gays were fighting for equal rights. Equal rights. That's, could you believe that's an actual stance you could have? You could be for equal rights? That means there's people out there saying, I think everybody should have the same rights as everyone else. And there's other people like, nah, son, I disagree. <laughs> I just don't think so. Black people was fighting for civil rights, not even equal. <laughs> just civil. Can we get civil? Can we get, I'll take civil rights. They don't tell you black lives don't matter. That's not what they say. That's not the argument. They hit you with that slick shit. Like, well, all lives matter. Really? Semantics? That would be like if your wife came up to you and was like, do you love me? And you were like, baby, I love everybody. What are you talking about? God's creatures. What are you saying? You're no different. Okay, so when it came time to deciding if I was going to do an episode this week, and I finally I talked to some people about it. I actually talked to my counselor about it because uh, I was really stressing. I I didn't want to do a show. I didn't feel like I'm going to call call a player and talk about you know his thoughts going into the draft this year. We don't even know when the draft's going to be. Um, it didn't feel even appropriate to be, hey, let's talk hockey right now while the world is on fire. But what I decided to do was it, it, it came to me that over the 15 years of the Pipeline show, we've had a number of players uh, and uh, and guests media-wise as well who come from varied background. You know, whether it's uh, they're, they're indigenous players or they're black players or Asian players or Middle Eastern descent. And what I thought I, I would do this week is maybe go back and revisit some of those interviews. And this isn't meant to for me to be able to stand up and say, hey, look at me, I'm the white guy, but I'm not racist. Look at, I've talked to all these players before, that proves I'm I'm not racist. That's not the idea behind me doing this. I know I'm not perfect, and I will continue to work on bettering myself. But I just wanted to highlight some of the players that we've had on. Uh, over the last 15 years. Uh, and not all of the, most of these conversations are not about race. They're just about hockey, about playing hockey. Because, hey, l- let's be honest, this is this is the Pipeline show. You come here to hear about hockey, not about societal issues. But right now, in at, with the world as it is right now, maybe there was a way for me to mix both. So with that said, uh, here's what's coming down the pipe this week. All my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The tap room in Red Deer is uh, now open once again. You can uh, stop by uh, and uh, have a sampling of their different brews that they have available there. You can still get your same-day delivery in Calgary, Red Deer, Edmonton, St. Albert, and Sherwood Park. Order by 1 o'clock, and you can get it the same day for free if your order is 50 bucks or more. Go to TroubledMonk.com and check out uh, all the different brews that they have available for delivery. Also wanted to mention uh, Arcan RV once again, uh, who have been ridiculously kind in uh, loaning us a trailer for the next couple of months uh, for my wife. And another sponsor of the show is uh, Pro Stock Hockey. Uh, check them out online. You can go to their Twitter handle. That's at Pro Stock Hockey, and their website is ProStockHockey.com. They get a lot of equipment uh, sent to them from NHL teams. 
And uh, right now you can save 60% off goalie sticks uh, during their playoff sale. Uh, check out the information on their website. That's ProStockHockey.com. So I was racking my brain over some of the more recognizable names uh, who um, we've had on the show who are non-Caucasian players. And there's been quite a number, actually. And even after I put this list together, uh, I had to cut it down a little bit just because I don't think we would necessarily... Um, I don't wasn't planning on having like a three-hour episode. So there are lots of interviews here that uh, could have been included that uh, aren't included. Maybe I'll do this again. But here are the interviews that you will hear today. And these aren't the full interviews. These are cut down just because of, again, because of time. A number of these players are current NHL guys. Uh, but when I spoke with them, when they were on our show, you know, these go back as early as season four, uh, right up to now. So season four would have been 2008, 2009, something like that. So here's who you are going to hear from today. Uh, Evander Kane, who was with the Vancouver Giants at the time, as well as P.K. Subban, who was still with the Montreal Canadiens, but uh, not hadn't played for them yet. He was still in the American Hockey League. It was his rookie season. Uh, Akil Thomas, who was with the Niagara Ice Dogs, that one uh, back in uh, season 13. Uh, Darnell Nurse, who this was his draft spotlight segment, uh, going back to season 8 of the Pipeline show. Uh, Eric Foley, who was in the USHL at the time, playing for Cedar Rapids, the Rough Riders, and then went on to Providence, was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets, and is currently property of the St. Louis Blues, although he sat out the entire season because of concussion issues. Not sure if if he is uh, done uh, or if he is uh, hoping to come back still. Uh, but uh, had a chat with him. We'll revisit that. Ethan Bear of the Edmonton Oilers, who is a uh, proud Indigenous player representing First Nations. We talked to him a bit about that. Jordan Greenway was with the U.S. National Development Program when we had him on the show back in Season 10. Jujar Kara of the Edmonton Oilers organization. This interview we had with him was back when he was with Michigan Tech, so even before he jumped to the CHL and played with Everett. So we go way back to talk to Jujar Kara. The most recent of these interviews is from this season with Quinton Byfield, who everybody expects to be a top three pick for the draft this year, whenever that happens. Uh, last year, this player was drafted. His name is Roddy Ross. He's from Middle Lake, Saskatchewan, which is not far from where I grew up. But he talked a lot about being a representative of uh, Indigenous people. So we'll listen to uh, Roddy Ross again. Uh, Tyler Sandu, who played for the Everett Silvertips, as well as a couple other teams in the WHL. We'll talk to him about that. And Seth Jones, who was just starting. It was very early in his single WHL season with the Portland Winterhawks. That also a draft spotlight segment from his draft year. So lots of players that we're going to hear from. Thank you once again for checking out this week's episode. We'll start it off with Evander Kane, formerly of the Vancouver Giants. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Woo! Down on the end boards. Brandon turns it over. Peck forward. Comes around. As Woosh shot. He scores. Chet Woosh snaps it far side over the glove. Of Logan Thompson and the Warriors have extended their lead. Hi, this is Jet Wu from the Moose Jaw Warriors, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
Hi, I'm Sarah from Arcan Trailer and RV. We know many lives have been altered and plans have changed, but something that hasn't changed is everyone's desire to make new memories with their families. Arcan wants to help you go camping this summer and we'd like to make your payments for you. This isn't a deferral. We'll make your payments all summer long. Or if you currently have an RV but need a new one, trade it in and we'll make your payments too. It's on us. Visit arcanrv.com for details and start planning your best trip ever. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. We're going to kick off this episode with a uh, conversation going all the way back to season four of uh, the program. The original date of this conversation is October 7th, 2008, with Evander Kane, then of the Vancouver Giants. The other voice you're going to hear in this uh, segment is that of uh, Dean Millard, who a uh, longtime co-host here on the Pipeline Show. So a uh, deep cut here is a throwback to Season 4 of the Pipeline Show with Evander Kane, myself, and Dean Millard. Evander, thanks very much for joining us here on the program. How's things out in Vancouver tonight? Uh, they're going good so far. I just got off practice, and uh, you know I'm just looking forward to this week. You guys got a big uh, team event tonight, uh, from what I understand. Yeah, we got the uh, the rookie night, the rookie movie night, uh, you know, where the rookies uh, dress up and, uh, you know, we all head out to a movie and they got to do uh, some uh, events out there during the movie. Is the rest of the team involved in this? Absolutely. So the rookies, I assume you're buying uh, for everybody else? Yeah, you know, I had to do it last year, so... Uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be fun to sit back and watch this year. What did you have to? You said you mentioned dress up, but you have to wear some kind of costume. What was it like for you last year? Well, uh, well, you know, going into it, you know, you're always a little nervous. You know, going out in public, you know, dressed up, uh, a little silly, but you know, it was uh, it was a fun experience, and you know, it's just uh, you know, good fun. Are these national secrets or something that you can't reveal, or what exactly do you have to dress up as, and what are these things that you have to do during the night? Well, you know, so we got to do, uh, the guys got to do some skits, you know, during the previews of the movie, uh, you know, in front of the whole audience. And, uh, you know, they got to put on some lipstick and, and whatnot. So it's, uh, you know, just kind of little things like that. Uh, good stuff. Well, yeah. uh, you had to do that last year in your rookie season. And it was a rookie season that included a lot of different things, including 24 goals, 17 assists, 41 points. You were the Western Conference Rookie of the Year last year as well. You also did some scrapping, uh, did a little bit of everything in your first year. Uh, maybe take us back to that and, and what it was like for you. And, you know, when you look back at it now, does it seem, you know, 10 years ago or does it seem like it was just last year? No, well, you know, it seems like it was just last year. You know, I remember it uh, pretty well. Uh, you know, I wanted to come in and, uh, you know, have a real good start to the season. I knew that was important, uh, you know, to, you know, kind of, you know, put a stamp on the Vancouver Giants uh, for myself and uh, you know I thought and I came in and did a pretty good job you know I was going in there as a goal scorer you know I was the first round pick so that's what they expect me to do and I thought I did a pretty good job of that as a 16 year old. Where are you from Evander? You're, you're right in from? I'm, yeah I'm from Vancouver so it's uh, nice to play for your hometown. Yeah extra bonus being able to play at home uh, in front of friends and family and uh uh, do you get to stay at home, or do you still bill it out anyways? No, we uh, the the team's uh, practice facility is out in uh, Tawasin here, so it's about a forty minute drive from the Coliseum. So I, I still go, I still got to bill it. You you had a few scraps last year. Is that something that you like to do? Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, whenever uh, you know it gets uh, you know the game gets a little rough, you know, you gotta you can't be afraid to drop the mitts, and you know, especially if uh, you know one of your teammates uh, needs a little help, you know, you gotta be uh, able to step in there and uh, you know help them out. 
I know uh, Jerome McGinley is one of the guys that you, uh, you you look up to and maybe emulate in your game. Is that the kind of style of play that, as a WHL player, you're the Jerome McGinley of the, the Vancouver Giants? Well, I think that, uh, you know, I, I like to play a little bit like Jerome. You know, he's a guy that can score goals and is not afraid to, uh, you know, be physical uh, here and there. And, uh, yeah, you know, I guess you could say that I'm a, a little bit like him. Evander, the real deal Kane, joining us here on the Pipeline Show. And from what I read, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, your grandfather was a big Evander Holyfield fan? Uh, yeah, he was a real big Evander Holyfield fan, and also my dad, and uh, that's why it was uh, named after him. So uh, that's a, kind of a cool thing. Is is that something that you've had to live up to and you know, growing up? And do you ha- is your nickname the real deal? Have you had to live up to that a little bit because your first name is Evander and obviously the former heavyweight champion of the world? I wouldn't say that I would have had to live up to anything, but I'd say, uh, you know, I have been called the real deal before, you know, when I played soccer, you know, when I was younger, uh, my coach used to call me that, so it was, uh, you know, kind of a fun thing, but, uh, yeah, you know, I don't really think I've had to live up to anything. Are you a boxing fan? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, I like uh, boxing, it's a good sport, and, and uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, just good to stay in shape, you know, by doing it. You're you're listed at 5'11 and 160 pounds, so... Obviously, size is something you're you're going to be focusing on in the next couple of years before you turn pro. Well, actually, uh, you know, I haven't got a chance to say, but those stats are, you know, those are when I was 15 years old, actually. Okay, so, uh, so update I'm, us. I'm actually six one and a half, one eighty. <laughs> wow, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not what the WHL website says. If the WHL is listening, we need to update things a little bit. Uh, <laughs> what was the you know, was it a conscious effort on on your part, or was it something that just started happening over time, and then you had to bulk up a little bit? Well, I knew I was, uh, you know, going to get taller. You know, I was always a, a light kid, uh, you know, playing minor hockey, and I knew I was going to have to, you know, get into the weight room and, uh, you know, get stronger. And I think I did that this summer. You know, uh, you know, I gained about ten pounds, and you know grew about, a, about an inch, and I think that's uh, helped me throughout the season so far. Well, like you, on the website, it says 5'11". You're saying you're 6'2 and a half, so I mean, that's 2 and a half. 6'1 uh, and a half. Or 6'1 and a half. So yeah. two and a half inches you've grown uh, since this came out. I guess you're saying this as a 15-year-old, so it's a couple years old. Yeah. And, and 20 pounds as well. You, you see, some guys have that growth spurt where they get tall, but they don't start filling out at the same time. So, I mean, that's obviously not something that, that you've had to deal with. Are you finding that even though you're getting bigger and taller, that awkwardness that some guys go through uh, physically hasn't been an issue for you? Well, you know, it's uh, it's happened to me, uh, you know, in the summer. And I think, uh, you know, just being able to, uh, you know, kind of get rid of that awkwardness uh, while I'm training in the summer has helped as well, you know, just continuing to work on my stride and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, work with the basis. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it's prevented uh, that awkwardness throughout the season. Last week's WHL representative for the 2009 Draft prospect performer of the week, Evander Kane, joining uh, Millard and Flaming here on the Pipeline Show. You had a pretty good summer. Obviously, you bulked up. You grew a little bit. You played for Team Canada as well at the Ivan Holinka tournament. Four points in four games, six penalty minutes, and the best thing of all, you won gold and you got to wear the Maple Leaf. Maybe just tell us a little bit about what that experience was like on an extremely talented team. Yeah, you know, we had a real, uh, a real uh, good team. You know, a lot of depth. You know, guys coming all over Canada and. Uh, you know, just being able to put on the uh, the Maple Leaf, and uh, I thought, uh, you know, as a team, we, we worked real well, and, uh, you know, I thought we just played good old Canadian hockey, and we were able to come out with the gold. Evander, it's uh, obviously your draft year, and uh, the, the spotlight now is out and shining, uh, pointing in your direction. Are you feeling any extra pressure this year, or how do you, where's your mindset going into the season? Well, you know, there's always going to be, uh, you know, added pressure, and, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm feeling the pressure, but, you know, I just want to 
My mindset's not to, you know, be focused on the draft. It's about uh, the Vancouver Giants right now and, you know, just the team having success. And, you know, in order for, uh, you know, us to do so, I think, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, uh, carry a lot of offensive role. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, the team has actually been, uh, you know, we've been scoring a lot of goals. And uh, I think we're actually leading the WHL in goals for. So, uh, you know, and I don't think uh, other teams around the league expect us to do that. So I think it's been a nice surprise. What's the one thing that Evander Kane has to work on to be able to get to the next level and, and be that high draft pick this summer? Well, I think, uh, you know, as you move up in each level, you know, just decision-making, uh, you know, becomes a lot uh, quicker and, uh, you know, just the pace of the game. And I think, uh, you know, I need to continue working on my skating. And I think, uh, you know, a shot can carry a long way. And I think, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, having, a, having as good a shot as possible, you know, it can uh, take you a long way. Are you a one-shot scorer or are you a dangler? <laughs> I'd say I'm say I'm more of a shooter. I wouldn't say uh, you know I if if I'd have to pick one of the two, I'd say I'm more of a shooter. The bull guy's over. Don't yeah, but don't, I, but don't. I like to be a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> Playing for Coach Don Hay, who's who's obviously got a wealth of experience, an NHL background, as well as you know a lot of success in the in the WHL. What's it mean uh, to be under his tutelage? You know he's a real demanding coach, and uh, you know expects a lot of you. Uh, you know he's a he's a guy that uh, you know likes to play with structure, and I think. Uh, for this organization and for this team, uh, I think we really work well under it. Well, Evander, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I just want to mention one more thing. Last year we had a, a guy on our show that was also going to a uh, rookie movie night. Uh, he did okay in the draft. His name's Steven Stamko, so maybe things work out for you in the same fashion. Uh, best of luck this year with the Giants and continued success out in Vancouver. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, no problem. Thanks a lot. Have, have fun tonight. Yeah, I will. Okay, thanks. That's Evander Kane, then of the Vancouver Giants, with myself and uh, Dean Millard. That goes back to Season 4 here on the Pipeline Show. Next up, we're going to go to Darnell Nurse, then with the Sioux Greyhounds. This is his uh, draft spotlight segment. This interview dates back to October 20th of 2012. That was Season 8 of the Pipeline Show. Darnell Nurse, again, with uh, Dean Millard and I. And now we're going to have another one. Here's Nurse going at it with the Spitfire forward Hunter Smith. Two rookies going pretty hard. There's a great right hand by Nurse, and another one connects. Darnell Nurse and Hunter Smith throwing bombs. Oh, this is a dandy. couple of big boys, and that was a great tilt. Uh, welcoming to the program, Darnell Nurse of the Greyhounds. Uh, Darnell, welcome to the program. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, not a problem. We just heard one of your scraps. You're six foot five, under ninety two pounds, so you probably have a great reach advantage. Is fighting something that you think is part of your game? Yeah, I think it's something that you know you definitely have to incorporate into the game when you're someone this size. But you know, at the same time, it's not something that I'm going to go look for. But if the opportunity is there, for sure, I'm going to take it. Tell us. Uh, we're we're just looking at your Twitter handle. Yeah. Tell us about what the Twitter handle means. Is it Dr. 2-5? Yeah, it's Dr. 2-5. Uh, my nickname here is Doc, and so to put in the DR, uh, it's Doctor, and then 2-5 because my number's 25. So, so where does the nickname Doc come from? Well, my last name's Nurse, and everyone always says, you can't call the guy a nurse, so <laughs> they call me Doc. <laughs> well, you're I don't disagree with that one bit. Yeah, you're probably a little bit grateful about that, Keith. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Darnell, uh, can't help but notice that last year you had 10 points and this year, uh, in, in the, the entire season, this year you're a point of game guy. What's the big difference for you? I think the, the biggest difference is, you know, I'm playing a little bit different role this year and, you know, getting more power play time. And at the same, at the same point, you know, I've had a lot more confidence to use my offensive game and, and jump into the rush as well as, 
you know, give the puck to the forwards, you know, in different ways that I didn't do last year. So, you know, it's been successful so far this year, but, you know, it's just a start and you have to stay consistent and keep it going. Uh, you're in your second year in the Ontario Hockey League. You were the uh, first pick uh, by the Greyhounds in, in what a lot of people are calling the new regime. Uh, what kind yeah. of uh, honor was that? Um, you know, did you feel any pressure uh, coming in as being uh, kind of the, the next wave of, of somebody to turn the Greyhounds around, to help turn them around? I think, you know, you, you always want to be a part of something different. And the new culture that we have here that, that Kyle brought is uh, – something that it's great to be a part of you know everyone's hard working it's a, it's a great character team and you know it's nice to be the first pick to come in and at the same point you know i have a job and my job is to come here and do whatever i can to help this team become uh, a successful team in the ohl and you know i'm going to do my best to do that and it's great to be a part of this new wave Guys in their second year uh, at whatever level always talk about uh, how they're feeling more comfortable than they were because they have a year under their belt. But specifically, in what ways do you feel a different level of comfort uh, as you go out there each night? Well, I think in your first year, you're playing against guys that are 20 years old and, and you're only 16 and you've had the experience of, you know, coming up in minor hockey when you're bigger than everyone, you need to throw everyone around. And, you know, having a year under your belt, you get to know, you know, the strength of guys and, you know, how great guys can actually be. And at the same point, you, you recognize what you have to do in order to come in the next season and be stronger or just as strong as the guys on the ice uh, for 60 minutes. So, you know, having that year of experience is something that really helps the confidence as well as it gives you a good gauge of what you need to do to be successful in the years coming. Uh, been told that you, you played upwards to uh, 30 minutes a night in some games and, and logging a lot of ice time, especially against um, some of the opposition's top forwards. So tell us a little bit about what's that like and or what that is like. And, and is there... Is there at the start of the year kind of a, a little? Are you a little bit intimidated, or how do you get past that? And when you look up and you see guys like uh, Trocheck, Reichel, Galchenyuk on the other side, I think you know. And I, don't, I wouldn't say intimidated is the word. I mean, I, I love the challenge. I think it motivates me every day uh, when you come in and you see the line that you're going to play against and, and know the skill talent that you have to play against. It, it motivates you to really jump your game up and become a better player in your own end. And at the same point, you know, you want to be that guy that they look across at the face-off dot and say, oh, God, I have to play against Nurse again. You know, that's something that uh, you take pride in and, and something that I like to notice myself as a good shutdown defenseman. Darnell Nurse of the uh, Sioux Greyhounds joining Flaming Millard here on the Pipeline Show in our 2013 draft uh, spotlight. Uh, what's the, the atmosphere around the team right now? Because... Uh, it's been, like I said, it's been a long time since uh, the team saw the playoffs, and uh, I imagine there's a level of excitement. Oh yeah, it's, it's great to go in the room. You know, everyone's uh, excited and having fun at practice, as well as you know, pushing each other to be better. You know, because it's just a start, and you know, everyone everyone wants to build off of what we've done. But you know, in order to be a, a great team, you have to be consistent for 68 games, and you know, that's something that we're really pushing for this year. And in the same token, you know, it's just a good experience. It's it's fun to go to practice, to go to games, and and be around and uh, be around a team that is really confident as well as always wants to work hard. How would you describe yourself? Do you think you're an offensive guy, or do you think you're more of a of a two way defensive forward that can chip in the odd point? Yeah, I think I'm more of a two way defenseman. I think my play on my own end is really the the biggest key factor to my game. I think you know the offense comes. You know, it's it's something that you know I'm not going to focus on every night. I think my play on my own end is something I'm going to focus on, and, and being that guy that's hard to play against and making the first pass is, is probably the biggest 
is key to my game and you know, I describe myself as a shutdown defenseman and you know, there's offensive upside but my end comes first. Darnell, uh, you got to start uh, for the season this year in your draft year at the Ivan Holinka tournament. I think uh, you know for a lot of guys in their draft year and, and for scouts especially, they consider that to be the start of the year. Uh, does that experience? First off, how was that experience for you, and did it kind of get you uh, uh, you know start the ball rolling for you a little bit earlier this year, you, where you get to start the OHL season in, in mid-season form, kind of? Yeah, I think you know being able to get that tournament under my belt early uh, was definitely an advantage. Just seeing as I got to play against, you know, some, some of the world's top players and, you know, that can only help your game and it gave me a gauge of, you know, where I was coming into the season. And also being able to win a gold medal, you know, it's, you know, something that it's hard to describe, especially when you have the Canada crest on your jersey. And, you know, it gave me a lot of confidence going into the season and being around such great players and, and teammates is, uh, something that only helps you grow as a player and a person. Uh, I, I noticed that Michael Schumacher plays on your team. Do you ever carpool with him and and think you're in a like an F1 car? No, no I never. Uh, I've never carpooled with him. I don't think he doesn't have a car up here. So uh, no, but I can just imagine. I can just imagine what his driving would be like. Uh, I might be a little scared to be in the passenger seat of that car. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, listen, you come from a pretty athletic background, uh, whether it's basketball or football. Your dad, of course, played for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Your yeah. mom uh, played a high-level basketball. All your sisters do. Um, you know, what was it that attracted you to hockey and, and, and not basketball or football? Well, I think the biggest thing was, with hockey was, you know, my dad got me into skating and, and into the house leagues at a really young age. And, you know, I, I loved watching the Leafs and Matt Sundin was my my first favorite player, my first athlete that I really followed. And, you know, hockey was something that, you know, I was all right at and I just stuck with it and uh, continued to grow as a player. And I tried to get into football a couple of times and my dad shot down the idea. So, uh, you know, hockey was really my only avenue. And you know, I played a couple of basketball tournaments, but uh, that really wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, uh, hockey was all the way. Hmm. Uh, you recently had a chance to uh, go out and skate with Trevor Daly. What, yeah. if anything, have you been able to take from those sessions into your game now? And and is he a guy that you maybe look at at modeling your game after? Well, being able to work with Trevor was you know unbelievable. He's such a great guy, and he's always open to you know whether after asking questions about you know what their practices are like, or what he does in games, and being able to see how great of a player he is. He's so great with the puck and his ability to handle the puck as well as his skating is, is something that I have never seen someone his size. And you know, It's unbelievable to be able to have experiences with guys like that and to be able to take away little things like you know whether it's your play in your own end or how he moves across the blue line. It was something that helped me grow as a player as, a, as well as a person, just knowing how great of a guy he is. Excellent stuff, Darnell. I really appreciate the conversation and best of luck with the Greyhounds this year. Oh, thank you, Charlie. That was uh, Darnell Nurse back in uh, 2012 when he was still in his uh, draft year with the Sioux Greyhounds. Uh, myself and Dean Millard uh, catching up with him or getting to know him in that interview. All right, still lots to come here on uh, this week's episode of the Pipeline Show, including P.K. Subban, uh, Ethan Bear, Jujar Kara, uh, Roddy Ross, Seth Jones, and a lot more. Quinton Byfield included in that as well. Lots to get to. We'll share all of those uh, conversations with you starting when you come back. My name is Keith Flaming. This is the Pipeline Show. Suzuki now cutting into the middle. There's a shot. Scores! And Suzuki makes it 8-1. He has his second and his fifth point tonight. Hey, it's Nick Suzuki from the Owens Down Attack. 
and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Johnny Gaudreau. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. Goal! And Shane Gossespierre were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Great Scott! Back on the Pipeline Show, and it's an NCAA Campus Report segment. We're going to revisit a couple of interviews with guys we spoke with on their way to the NCAA. They weren't uh, there yet. We'll start with a forward who is playing with Cedar Rapids in the USHL. Eventually, he'd be drafted by the Winnipeg Jets. But here's a conversation with Eric Foley. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Appreciate you doing this. Uh, uh, tell me about the start of the year for you uh, up to this point. The team is unbelievable. You guys are in first place in your in your conference. Um, tell me how things are going right. What's going right for for the club other than everything? I mean, I don't know a lot's going right now. Right now, I mean, we got four lines that are going strong. Uh, the team's just looking great. Uh, contribution from up and down the lineup. So you know, it's been a really good start. It's been really fun. Uh, and for yourself, uh, this year, third in the team in, uh, in scoring right now, 10 goals, 12 assists, 22 points in just 20 games. Uh, are you even a little surprised with uh, how productive you've been? Uh, you know, I mean, I'm playing uh, with a lot of good players, you know, so I mean, it makes it a little easier. So, you know, it's not really, um, you know, not really a surprise when you're, you know, you're playing with, uh, you know, those, those two good players on my line. So I, I, I think that they have a lot to do with it, you know. One of the things I've noticed is uh, the team's record right now, uh, only two losses on the season, both of them at home. The Cedar Rapids Rough Riders have a perfect 11-0 and record away from uh, away from home. That's fantastic. It's almost guaranteed win night, except on the road. It's a little, it's a little strange. You think that, uh, you know, that we kind of bear down at home, but, you know, we, we really, uh, we, we bear down on the road. We, you know, we know, uh, you know, Coach he, uh, prepares us really well. You know, we get in there and, get the job done and get out. I know I've talked to a lot of players and at different levels of hockey and the road trips are kind of unique in the sense it's always a, a time for the, the team to come together and gel. Do you find that uh, is is true for uh, the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders? Yeah, we got a really tight team and I think the road trips uh, really got a lot to do with it. You know, it's not going to bust them for, for eight hours. So, you know, we got a little bonding time. You know, we like to play cards, watch, uh, watch movies and stuff. So, you know, they, they get fun. Uh, now you're from Massachusetts, right, Eric? Yep. Uh, tell me about uh, going from uh, that neck of the woods to to playing in Iowa. What the big difference just is? Is there some culture shock involved for you? Yeah, for sure. There's some uh, some culture shock. You know, Mass is uh, you know it's kind of a busy busy state. There's a lot going on, and then Iowa is a lot of cornfields and stuff. So <laughs> you know, it's a little different. So uh, so, but I'm getting used to it. Uh, that's, that was going to be my next question. Are you used to it yet or does it take a little, is it going to take a little bit longer? It's, um, I mean, big, what's the biggest difference uh, for you to get to uh, adjust it to? It's not like you're a European coming over and you have a language barrier or anything like that. So what's the biggest difference? Uh, the biggest difference is, uh, just kind of like the workload you have. You know, it's, uh, you know, day in, day out, you got to get in, you got to, you got to work hard, you got to get in the weight room, you know, you got to stay on top of that. So, 
um, just that, you know, because going from, from Massachusetts back to my old prep school, you know, it's kind of the competition is obviously not as good. And, and, you know, there's some days that, you know, you think that you can, you can take off, but, but here there's just no days off. It's just 100% all the time. Uh, Eric Foley of the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders of the USHL joining me here on the Pipeline Show. It's our 2015 draft spotlight segment. Uh, let's talk about the draft. And is it something that's on your mind much this year, Eric, or you, do you try to force it to the back of your head? Uh, you know, it's always in the it's always in the back of my mind. But uh, you know, I'm trying just to, just to focus on the season right now. You know, got a got a long ways to go. You know, you got 40 games, uh, 40 40 games left. So you know, it's, it's nice to you know think about. Um, you know, in the summer, but for now, I'm just just focusing on the rest of the season. Uh, NHL Central Scouting's uh, rankings came out. Uh, they have you pegged as a a B-rated prospect, so anywhere from the two to three round uh, spot in the draft for them. They list you at five eleven and a half, 185 pounds. I looked at the Cedar Rapids uh, uh, website. They actually list you a little bit smaller than that. Maybe can you update us on uh, on the correct numbers? Uh, I'd I'd say that I'm about five eleven and five eleven and a half. And weight. By 185. 185. So you're bigger than what uh, your own team says you are. Was there a bit of a growth spurt uh, from last year or, or something like that that the, they just haven't updated yet? Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, I was, um, I'm always around like 5'11, like 3 fourths, 5'11 and a half. So 5'11 right. and 3 fourths on a good day. So <laughs> depends if you so, had a haircut. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm around that, that, uh, that range. Uh, now, USHL hockey isn't on a lot of TV up here. Obviously, we have to, we watch it on fast hockey, but for, for fans who haven't seen, uh, Cedar Rapids play or haven't seen you play, what can you tell them about your style of game? Uh, what do you bring to the table each night? Um, you know, I like to, I like to work below the goal line. You know, I'm kind of a power forward. I like to use my strengths, uh, use my strengths in the corners and try to get pucks, uh, and try to drive pucks in the net. And, um, you know, I try to use my speed a lot too, so. Uh, you, you have, I mentioned your stats, 10 goals and 12 assists. Are you more of a finisher or a setup guy? Um, I'm more of a, I, I like to just get to the net and kind of like kind of jam pucks in. So, I mean, I, I like to try to just, you know, try to even out both. You know what I mean? Is there, is there a player that, uh, you've heard yourself being compared to that we can, that would kind of give us a, a picture in our mind? Uh, okay. I kind of get compared to like Milan Lucic a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. It, oh, he's a Boston Bruin. Uh, were you a Bruins fan growing up, coming from Mass? Yeah, I like I like the Bruins a lot. So is that a a flattering? Oh, obviously, it's a flattering comparison, but is that one that's almost like don't compare me to Milan Lucic? He's unbelievable. Are you? I mean, is that almost too high of a, an expectation? Um, you know, I mean, I I think that it's it's hard to tell now, but I mean, yeah, it's it's an I like it's an honor, you know, being compared to him. He's a really good player, but I mean, I think we I think we have a lot of the same attributes because. Uh, I'm not really that that big of a skill guy. I kind of like to use my strength to get to the net and and you know take pucks out front and you know get 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 in the corners and get greasy a little bit. So I think that we sh- we share a little bit of the same same attributes there. Well, you do lead your team in penalty minutes. Only 36 though, but are you a fighter? Ah, uh, no, I just, <laughs> don't like to, I don't like to fight a lot. But uh, I know I haven't I haven't fought yet. But um, when the time comes, we'll see. All right. Before getting to the next level. Uh, I think the standard answer is work on my speed or get stronger or whatever. But is there an area of your game that you think you need to work on the most? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think just uh, you know every player has stuff he's got to work on. I think that I got to work on my my defensive zone a little bit. I think I got to you know sharpen that up. And I think I got to uh, work on my my first step, my first couple steps when I, uh, before I get going on my acceleration. So 
I know the USHL top prospect game is coming up. I haven't seen if the rosters are out yet, but uh, I'm assuming that's something that's circled on your calendar. Um, yeah, I know. I'm hopeful, hopefully that I can, uh, you know, get a, get a chance to play in that game. There's going to be a lot of good players playing. So, you know, it's going to be, it'll be an honor, uh, honor to be on the ice with those guys. So, you know, fingers crossed. And I mean, it would obviously be a showcase event to, to play in front of the scout, scouting community as well. But would you look at a, an opportunity like that as almost a way for you to compare yourself uh, to some of the other guys that are eligible for the draft? Yeah, it's uh, you know it's a good way to you know to go out there and see how you're going to do against you know the, the top guys uh, guys in your league. So I think that yeah, it's a good it's a good scale to go out there and you know see if um, see if you you can keep up with those guys. So hmm. great stuff, Eric. I really appreciate you joining us today. Best of luck the rest of the way with the uh, the Rough Riders, and uh, maybe we'll talk to you again. All right, thanks for having me. You bet. Eric Foley, then of Cedar Rapids, the next season he was at Providence playing for the Friars. He was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets, now property of the St. Louis Blues. That conversation taking place on December 6th back in uh, 2014. That was season 10 of the Pipeline Show. My next guest we spoke with also from season 10. uh, That one, though, right before the draft, May 26th of 2015, and it was myself and Dean Millard is back for this one as well. The player's name is Jordan Greenway, now a forward with the Minnesota Wild. Charles McAvoy surveys the situation. Back behind him, he drops it for Colin White. Stretch passes ahead, right down on the tape, sneaking in his Greenway. Greenway shoots and he scores! Jordan Greenway with an absolute snipe from the high slot. Up and above the glove of Jacob Nehama. A power play goal for the Americans. Very pleased now to be joined by Jordan Greenway, big Jordan Greenway, six foot five, two hundred and twenty, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, a forward with the U.S. National Development Program. How are you tonight, Jordan? Good, good. Just hanging on there, watching the game here pretty soon. Well, we appreciate you uh, spending some time with us tonight. Maybe let's start there. What? How have you been spending your time uh, lately since coming back from Europe with a gold medal? You got the combine here coming up uh, right away. Have you uh, just been relaxing, or you've been hitting the gym? Um, well, with the combine coming up, I've had to stay in the gym a lot, uh, even though we came back with the gold medal. Um, but now I am actually back at home, um, for a little bit after the combine. And then, uh, after the combine, I'll probably just go to Boston University to work out in the off season, um, for the most part. When you were at the, uh, Worlds, uh, did you play a, a, the same type of role that you played all year long because, the coaching staff is the same and everybody's familiar with it, or uh, were they adding different players and, and roles got switched up a little bit? I think my role has to be the same no matter what, just because I am uh, with my size, you know, I kind of have to play the uh, power forward two-way game. So for me, my role did not change at all. No, it was uh, it stayed the same, and uh, I just knew for me to have an impact in the game, I had to go out there and play physical, um, finish checks, and bring the puck to the net. So that's pretty much what I did um, for most of the tournament. It almost sounded like you're reluctant to, to take on that role. I have to play that role because I'm six foot five and 225 pounds. Do you enjoy the physical side to the game, or would you almost rather be a little uh, smaller and lighter so you can be one of the finesse guys? No, I mean, I think one of the big things when when someone is trying to play NHL, you tend to have to figure out what you have to do, you know, and and no, I think I think playing a physical game is is is, is fun, you know. I mean, everyone wants to be able to get the the game winning goal, you know. But for me, I know what I have to do. Um, I like doing it, and ultimately, it just 
it, it helps me have the most success. So it's uh, it's uh, it's something I enjoy doing. Are you a guy that initiates that physical play, or are you a guy that reacts to it? I think for the most part, I am a I'm more of a guy who who reacts to it a little bit more than initiates it. You know, I just think, um, like I said, to have success in my game, I sort of have to do as much as I can to have success. You know, and I think as I develop going to Boston University, it'll help me out a lot. But I think I think I, I have to focus on initiating it a lot more. Um, but as of right now, I, I think uh, in previous years I've been I've been more reactive, you know, rather than proactive. So, um, yeah, more of a reactive type of guy. Uh, at your size, are you a guy that's in the corners, winning those battles, or in front of the net and uh, battling for position there and and trying to tip pucks in? Uh, I think for me it's, it's it's a little bit of both. You know, I think in the corner, like protecting the puck, finishing checks, like I said. Um, and just possessing the puck down low is, is is what I have to do. And then um, when it comes in front of the net, I think just getting those gritty goals, um, providing a screen for our defense and whoever's shooting, I think I need to, got, need to be the guy to do both of those roles, you know, so um, in the corners as well as in front of the net. You play for the uh, U.S. National Development Program. Uh, let's go back a couple of years, though. And uh, at 13, you left home, uh, left New York to go play uh, for uh, Shattuck St. Mary, and and you've been basically on your own ever since. So uh, you know, not only you you were a bigger guy, you've had to grow up pretty quickly uh, as well, uh, living out on your own as as you did as, as a bantam player living with a billet family. For me, I thought it was going to be a little bit harder than it actually was. You know, when I went to Shattuck. Um, they do a great job of kind of helping you establish a routine. And there, you just it's, you just play hockey and go to school. And so for me, it was pretty easy to um, get comfortable with that with, with that place. And then it, it kind of just transferred right right into the NCDP. You know, even though I was a little bit older, um, I was more adjusted to, to what I had to do. It was uh, it wasn't a very hard change. Jordan Greenway is our guest. He plays for the U.S. National Development Program this past season with the the U18 squad coming home from uh, Switzerland with a gold medal at the World U18s. How old were you when you first started playing hockey? I probably got on skates with around three. It was a a lot of my family members played hockey. My my aunts, my uncles, um, um, all played hockey, and you know? also I was just kind of next in line, you know, and so. <laughs> I was just kind of put on put on the ice at a young age, and I just kept going with it. It was a fun game. It was a game I liked to play, and I uh, just stuck with it. And the family tradition continues. I know your little brother is on the U17 team right now, so he'll be up to the U18 squad uh, next year. Is it like having him coming up? Uh, uh, you blaze the trail almost for him a bit. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's great. Uh, just knowing that you sort of have a younger brother who just kind of kind of looks up to you and kind of follows what you do, you kind of have to set yourself to a higher standard, you know, and you just got to, you got to know in the back of your head all the time that, that, that your kind of, your decisions uh, influence him a little bit, you know, so I'm just, I, I always just try and do the right thing, um, do what will help me, but also what will help him, and I think so far, I have to give him a lot of credit just because he, he's had a lot of success um, due to just a lot of things that he's done on his own, and I think, uh, if he continues to do what he does now, he should be a great prospect for for the NHL. He's six foot four. I can't imagine what those street hockey games must have been like. Uh, the battles that you guys would have had out on the driveway. <laughs> yeah, they were uh, they were pretty intense. I was um, 
it's not always the easiest pill to swallow when you know your younger brother can can beat you up possibly. So you always gotta be on your toes, you know. <laughs> Tell us about getting in, involved with the U.S. program and and uh, you, you go from Shattuck uh, to playing uh, for the national team. Uh, that must be a big honor for you. Yeah, it was a big honor. You know, um, being at Shattuck was sort of going to Shattuck actually from here is pretty like a milestone in in my development. And then uh, coming to the national team just w- w- was another one, you know. And and they did a lot of great things for me. They uh, they taught me more an NHL style game, just an NHL style lifestyle. Actually, um, we did a lot of video to, as a team. We did a lot of individual video, um, whether it was NHL video or our own video. And they just showed us a lot of concepts that the NHL uses, which um, obviously is where where we all want to be one day. And so it was it, it was a great great part of my development and, and I give them a lot of credit for what they do uh, to a lot of players. So, Boston University is your college of choice. Uh, you actually played with uh, Jack Eichel at the United States uh, All-American game. Not sure if he'll be back for a second season or not for you to be able to play with him again, but uh, why Boston University for you for your college of choice? Growing up on the East Coast, I was actually fortunate enough to go to Boston a good amount, you know, and just, just growing up around there and just seeing the city all the time. I think Boston's a great city. Um, I think it's a great hockey city. Um, they have great facilities there. And, and I think a big impact was, was the coaching staff. You know, I think Coach Quinn has a lot of, uh, has a lot of, um, he, he's just a, he's a well-respected coach, you know, and I think he will help me out a lot, um, in these next, in these next years. And, um, I mean, I think for the most part, those were, those are the main sides to why I picked the school. And I mean, they have a great, great academic side to it as well. So it was just, uh, it was just the kind of thing where you went on campus and you just knew it was right for you. That's kind of what did it for me, you know. Has the draft been something that's been on your mind uh, much this season? Uh, Dino mentioned the, the All American prospect game, all the big events, the international events that you go to with the program. They are all heavily scouted as well, including the World U18 for obvious reasons. Uh, so you never really get away from it. How much do you think about it? Yeah. I'm a big believer in, in, in the draft is very important, you know, but I think it, it, it's more important of what you do after the draft, you know. And so, I mean, ultimately, I'll, I'll be fortunate enough to be just be drafting the NHL draft. But like I said, I think for for me and my thought process, my thought process, it's about it's about what I do after it, and I think that's that's really going to have the most influence on my on my future in this game. So. Yeah, I mean it's on everyone's mind. If I said it, if, if I said it wasn't, I'd be lying. So yes, yeah, it's, it's on my mind. But like I said, I'm just uh, kind of focused on next season and what I got to do after it, just to uh, just to continue my career in the game. You know, what's more nerve wracking possibility: the questions and the interview process at the draft, or all the physical testing? For me, probably more of the interview part. Just, I mean, I think. As a kid going through the process, you know, you're always intimidated by all the scouts, all the GMs and everything, and just having all of them there in one room, all kind of listening to your answers. I mean, it, it gets a little intimidating, you know, and I think I, I, I do pretty well with the process, but um, it's still, it's still a little nerve-wracking once you walk in the room and, and see all, I mean, p- potentially 10 guys in there all waiting to hear what you have to say, so... I think for me it would be more of the uh, energy side of it. Jordan, what do you really want the teams, after they uh, sit down and talk with you, what do you really want them to know about you that they might not know going in? What's something that you want to make sure that you share with them? I think they've only seen 
a little bit of what of what I can do. You know, I think I've only sort of scratched the surface of of what I can do and, and my potential. You know, and so I think once once I have a um, a few a few years that that uh, a BU, I think that I can be a a big impact on whatever team it is. And um, I think uh, once I fill out in my body and and do what, everything else that's needed to play in the NHL, I think like I said, I'll have a big impact and I'll be able to play a I saw it and it fell again. What is that style? Who is the, who's a player that you look at and say, I like to model my game, I like to play like him? Um, for me, I think it's a Wayne Simmons. You know, I think he's a, he's a, he's a very like gritty player. Um, like a power forward type of guy. He'll, he'll go into the corners and he'll do what it takes to win. You know, and I think that's a, that's a, a very good quality to have as a hockey player just 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 knowing what you need to do and getting what you getting done what you need to do um to win and um i just think even though he's not maybe as big as me i think he does an, an exceptional job at what i need to do going going forward um to play an NHL one day jordan we really appreciate your time tonight uh best of luck at the uh, combine and of course at the draft we'll talk to you again all right thanks a lot i appreciate it Jordan Greenway, who now has two full NHL seasons under his belt. He was taken 50th overall by the Minnesota Wild back in that 2015 draft class. And boy, and he's even bigger than he was then, obviously. Well, I guess that's fairly natural, but listed at 6'6 and 227 pounds. That is a big fella. Okay, still to come on the Pipeline Show, you're going to hear from P.K. Subban, Seth Jones, amongst others. Uh, when we come back, though, a couple of more recent interviews. You're going to hear from Akil Thomas, as well as a guy expected to go in the top three in the 2020 NHL draft. All that coming up next here on the Pipeline Show. Hi, it's Norris Seider from the Adler Mannheim of Germany. Zwei auf eins, Isis mit Seider und gemacht sein erstes Deltor. Fünf eins, Mannheim, Moritz Seider. You're listening to The Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks, a lot, a whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Welcome back to the program. Let's continue on with some uh, really cool interviews that we did over the last uh, number of years. Here's a, a couple in this segment that are uh, of the more recent variety. We've heard some from, you know, dating back to season four and season five. 
Uh, this one coming at you from season 13. So just a couple of years ago, the exact date, June 8th of 2018. So right before the NHL draft and uh, Akil Thomas was taken in the second round that year by the Los Angeles Kings. When I talked to him, draft hadn't happened yet. In fact, it was just a couple of weeks away. And that's where we started things off. Uh, here's Akil Thomas. Thank you for making the time to, to do this interview. As I said before we started recording, at this point in the season, I'm pretty sure you're tired of doing interviews, uh, but you've taken the time to do this one, so I appreciate that. How's uh, how's things right now? Uh, things are good. I mean, yeah, uh, we had a lot of a lot of interviews at the combine, but uh, you know things are a little bit uh, more quiet now, and uh, I'm just kind of training and kind of waiting for the draft. So, uh, pretty uh, pretty exciting times. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is what you do now that the combine's over, the draft is in a couple of weeks. Do you actually get a bit of time to, to put your feet up and relax by the pool or are you still working out every day and things like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I got back from uh, the season, uh, you know, I had to prepare for the combine. So I uh, didn't really have uh, too much downtime then. But, uh, you know, now that the combine's over, I had, uh, you know, the week off and uh, kind of ramp things up uh, next week and kind of continue from there. Akil, tell me about the season for the Niagara Ice Dogs. When you look back at it now, I, I know obviously you would have liked to have gone deeper into the playoffs, but uh, when you look back at the year, how would you describe it? Yeah, I mean, I you know I think uh, we did really well, and you know I think we overachieved, and uh, you know I I think uh, you know we my first year two years ago we were you know kind of expected to to lose like every game. We had a really uh, young team, and no one really expected a lot from us, and. Uh, we did really well. We ended up making the playoffs when, you know, no one probably thought we would. And this year we, you know, we proved that, you know, we could prove people wrong again. And we beat a lot of good teams. And obviously we made the playoffs and we, uh, you know, beat Ottawa in the first round, played really well and got some experience there. And, uh, you know, we ended up losing to Hamilton, but, you know, we are, we are, we did pretty good against them during the regular season. So, uh, we got, you know, some playoff experience in, in the first round there. And, Hopefully we can uh, kind of grow off that for next year. And for yourself, uh, a pretty big jump in your offensive numbers this year from your rookie season, which was a good year in itself. 21 goals, 48 points as a rookie is a pretty nice season. But you uh, vault up to 81 points this year. Uh, the biggest difference for you uh, becoming with was with assists. I mean, you pretty much matched your goal production. Uh, why the big jump in points, do you think? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you know, the fact that, you know, I'm a second year guy, my, my skills have been, you know, that much more developed and, uh, you know, you know, my, I was a lot more confident and, you know, I didn't, you know, feel like I felt like I belonged in the league and, you know, I just, you know, our whole team was kind of more experienced. I was playing with, you know, a year older guys in terms of, uh, you know, the guys I was playing with the year before. And, you know, I think as a, as a whole team, we grew a lot and, and that means, you know, we, we scored more goals. Everyone on our team gets more points. So uh, I think it was just kind of like, uh, you know, the team really grew. Akil Thomas, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. And in this uh, segment, uh, what we like to do is kind of introduce my audience to a player who's in your shoes, Akil, that uh, being it's your NHL draft year, and not everybody that's hearing this is going to know much about you. So uh, let's get a little bit of background, if you don't mind. Uh, tell me where you're from. Where you, where'd you grow up? I was born in Toronto, and... Uh, my dad played professional hockey, so I actually lived in a lot of different places like uh, Mississippi and in Flint and Oklahoma and Orlando and Jacksonville. So, uh, you know, I, I moved around a lot as a kid, and um, 
I ended up moving to to, to Toronto when I was ten and uh, played a, a a little bit of hockey there. And then you know I got uh, drafted to the OHL and and uh, here I am talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, the next question I usually ask guys is who got you into hockey at, at a young age? But obviously with your dad being a former player. Uh, I guess it, uh, that's a pretty obvious question. Uh, how old were you when you first started playing? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, you know, I, I, I skated for the first time when I was actually two years old, which is uh, pretty crazy, obviously. But yep. uh, that just kind of started early for me. I, you know, I had a a lot of ice growing up as a kid, and you know, I, I was probably on the ice like once a week, when I, or at least like when I was very, very young. So, uh, you know, I started really early and kind of got. You know, love for the game at a very young age. Have you always played up front? Did you ever try the blue line or even throw the pads on when you were a kid? Yeah, I actually, uh, I I wanted to be a goalie growing up, and uh-huh. actually, my dad, uh, my dad didn't really like that. And, and one day, <laughs> I strapped on the pads, and um, you know, my dad was shooting on me, and he told me he was trying to shoot like really hard. So I had eventually not like it, but uh, you know, I I always wanted to be a goalie, and. It was just kind of like uh, an obsession I had at a young age, but uh, that didn't really let me be a goalie. So, yeah, I mean, I actually did play D in, in, uh, in school hockey for three years in a row, two at Upper Canada College and then uh, one at St. Michael's College School. So I uh, played, played the three years defense, which uh, not a lot of forwards do, but uh, I, I love defense as well, so something I played. That's pretty interesting, and that versatility – you know, it gives you a different appreciation. As a forward, you kind of understand the defensive uh, uh, responsibilities of your uh, opposition, and and as a you know, as a defenseman, if you happen to be in that spot, at least you could you can you wouldn't be a stranger to it if you had to play it in a pinch. Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually one thing that you know people you know might not be completely mindful of is that you know when you play different positions, you kind of pick up on on certain things, and maybe if you play as a goalie, you kind of realize that you know. If I do this as a player, then then it'll make you know other goalies' jobs pretty hard to stop the puck. So uh, yeah. that stuff actually is pretty relevant, and it it helps a lot. So I think uh, it's benefited me that I've actually tried out goalie and I've tried out you know defense because uh, you know you learn off of everything. Uh, take me back to the uh, to the OHL draft, twelfth uh, overall selection by the uh, Ice Dogs uh, in 2016. Uh, I imagine there's some pressure that uh, comes along with being taken that high. Um, as a player, probably no more pressure than what you put on yourself, but you know there's going to be expectations from the fan base as well. How do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, growing up playing hockey, you know, there's there's not a whole bunch of fans, and they don't really care as much as the fans in the OHL do because, you know, they pay to see us play, and that's kind of something I had to adjust to uh, at obviously a pretty young age at, at 16, but, uh, you know, I love hockey, and, and uh, you know, I'm – I. I enjoy it. So, uh, playing in front of people and playing in front of people who care is actually pretty special. And I guess at some, sometimes it, it, it was hard at the beginning, but, uh, you know, just thinking, you know, I don't want to make a mistake in front of, you know, all these thousands of people here to watch me play, but it's just something you kind of get used to. And it doesn't really, uh, it's not really a problem after your first season. That's for sure. Akil Thomas from the Niagara Ice Dogs is my guest here on the Pipeline show. Um, now, uh, we talked about your stats line. We can see that you're an offensive guy, but maybe that doesn't give a complete picture. Can you give us a bit of a scouting report on on the type of player you are? Yeah, I think I'm a, a two-way playmaker. Uh, I like uh, like having the puck on my stick, and I like making plays, and I, I think I have good vision. So, you know, I, I tend to 
you know, to try to look, try to look to make that play that, you know, no one in the rink saw. And, you know, uh, I think I'm a pretty good passer. So, uh, yeah, I just like to make plays and, and I think, uh, I can actually be a goal scorer too. And, uh, I've actually started to use my shot a little bit more. So I think I can do a whole bunch of different stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I like, uh, considering myself, you know, a type of player, you know, fans would enjoy to watch. So. My friend uh, Sam Cosentino at Sportsnet uh, had written earlier this season uh, about you as a description that um, you're a really good playmaker, but you could stand to be more selfish and shoot more too because you, you have that ability. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, you know, growing up in Florida, the, the hockey isn't as great as it, as it is in Toronto. You know, I had, I had to play like a couple years up and stuff. So growing up, I was always used to, you know, being the one to probably score the majority of the goals and, uh, you know, with that, I, I've never really been a selfish kid. And, you know, I wanted my buddies to score as many goals as I did. So I actually started to, to pass a lot more when I was a kid. And it kind of translated into, to, you know, what I am now. So I'm kind of, you know, a pass-first mentality guy now. And obviously, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, I can start shooting more. So it's just something I'm going to have to kind of adjust to. And, you know, I, I found success when I, uh, you know, when I shoot the fuck more. So. Uh, it's kind of, you know, a habit that, you know, I started as a young kid and, uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, make changes, kind of be the best player I can be. Has, has the draft been uh, on your mind much this year? I mean, you're a, a guy that is kind of pegged in the in about the middle of the uh, the first round by a lot of people. Uh, I imagine that's exciting and, and flattering. Um, some people would say it would be a distraction to think too much about it. Uh, how about for you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough at some points because, you know, if you have a bad game, you know, you're wondering, you know, you know, you're wondering if, you know, uh, scouts were there and if they <laughs> thought you played bad and, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, it's the same sport. Just got to go out there and try to play your best. And when, when you kind of think in that way, then, you know, your mind's clear. You're not really thinking about too much and you play your best that way. So, you know, I think when you're not thinking about that, it's when you play your best and, uh, you know, at some point it's, uh, it's nerve wracking, but you know, right now it just, it doesn't really feel, uh, real that, you know, I'm going to be hopefully drafted to an NHL team. It just seems that, you know, I grew up watching the draft for so many years and, you know, it's not us being drafted this year, right? Cause you know, it just doesn't seem that way, but, uh, I'm sure it'll hit me soon, but, uh, right now it's just kind of, you know, a surreal feeling. How many interviews did you have at the combine? Do you remember? Yeah, I had 25, so I had quite a bit. 12 on one day so that was definitely uh, one of the harder days but uh, I just try to you know soak it all in and enjoy the experience because you know it only happens once in a lifetime so uh, yeah it was fun. Is there one or two things that every team seemed to ask you about that they all wanted to know about? Uh, I mean I actually run and own a, a clothing company so a bunch of scouts were kind of interested in that and you know how it started and stuff like that so uh, that was kind of something that, that, uh, came up a lot and, uh, just other things like, uh, you know, things I want to work on that, you know, will allow me to play in the NHL faster and, uh, you know, to kind of prep me into being a player. So, uh, just, you know, stuff like that. Did you say that you own a clothing company? Yeah, I do. I own, wow. I run it, uh, with, a with my partner named Ethan Lowen in Toronto and, uh, just kind of something we started when we were. When we were 15, we actually, you know, named it it's Zale, and uh, it's called Zale Apparel. We have a website, basic, you know, t-shirts, hats, just casual stuff, and just kind of stuff that we would wear, I guess. And it just kind of transformed into something pretty big, and just something we do for fun.
Excellent. So I'll have to look into that for sure. And I'll, uh, we'll give you a, a pump out here on the show as well and mention for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, also, so, something else I saw on, on Twitter, uh, that you had posted. I know people can follow you at uh, Akil Thomas too, if you're interested in that. Um, listening to my dad play Fortnite is actually hilarious. Yeah. Now, I have a 13 year old kid, uh, <laughs> and we actually play Fortnite together. Oh, and yeah. I am terrible at Fortnite. He's pretty good. <laughs> How many victories do you have? Uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not really a good player actually, but, uh, <laughs> I think I only have like five. I kind of get carried if I ever win by my teammates, but, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not too good. I don't really, you know, have the time to, to play that much, but little brother's actually really into the game. He, uh, he loves it and it's kind of something, you know, my brother and my dad do for some bonding. So it's actually, uh, pretty, pretty cool in our fan. Well, you've got five wins. I've only got one, so you're way ahead of me. Um, you know, <laughs> Now I know it's a, it's a bit of a cliche question, but do you you do you hear yourself being compared to somebody else? That uh, just to put an image in in our minds of uh, the the type of player that you could be. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it kind of depends on you know what position you're you're kind of talking about because I'm a winger and a centerman. But uh, right. my favorite player growing up, Claude Giroux. So uh, I've always liked him, and I kind of see some similarities between him and I. And uh, just that's just kind of you know the type of player I, I'd want. You know, I, I want to kind of look to him. That would be that would be amazing, and uh, that's just kind of you know a smaller, skilled player that you know, is a leader that that I like. So, well, Akil, your stock just went up in my books. The Flyers are my team, and uh, Giroux happens to be my favorite player as well. So, <laughs> uh, things are looking good for you. <laughs> oh, nice. uh, listen, thanks for your time today. I I, I, I appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck, whatever happens at the draft, and uh, I hope I get to chat with you again. Thank you so much. Heck of a season for Akil Thomas, who uh, finished uh, off his OHL career with the Peterborough Peets. 40 points in just 22 games with the Peets this year after being dealt uh, from Niagara. Uh, he is signed by the LA Kings, and uh, now that he's 20, he'll be moving on. So he is done with the CHL, a guy who is uh, still very much in the middle of his CHL career. Well, maybe. I guess we shouldn't uh, just assume that Quinton Byfield is uh, back next year. With the Sudbury Wolves, I mean, here's a guy who is, uh, what is he listed at? 6'5", 6'4", and 215-ish pounds. So physically, could be a guy who's uh, ready for, shouldn't say the next level, but he'd be skipping a level and uh, if he stepped out of the OHL right into the NHL. But 82 points this season, 32 goals in just 45 games for Quinton Byfield. We go back uh, to September for this interview with uh, the guy most people expect to go number two in the draft. Here's Quentin Byfield of the Sudbury Wolves. Quentin, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, uh, but I'm not, uh, you know, off to a hot start like you are right now. And uh, maybe we'll just start with that and just how different this yeah. year feels compared to last year. I know you had a really strong season last year, but boy, you're more than two points per game uh, out of the blocks this year. Yeah. Uh, well, I think with year two, year one under the belt, you kind of just get a lot more confidence to your game. Um, I find that uh, lately, me and my line mate, Murray and Belinka, we've been playing really well together. We really found a chemistry there, I think. So I think that's really contributing to my success. And then I think we're just playing good hockey as a team as well. And everything's just going our way right now. I know you're you're big. I mean, you're six four and closing in on 200 or something like that, right? How, are those numbers yeah. up to date? Yeah, no, I'm six uh, six four, two fifteen. Two fifteen, holy cow! All right. Over the summer, I've trained at Gary Roberts there. You know, nutrition's really important to him. I think that 
put a couple more pounds on me during the summer. So yeah, Gary uh, Roberts, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I guess I'm I'm assuming you're feeling that on the ice too. I mean, you are you're more than pro size. I mean, you're uh, you're above average pro size already, and you're playing you know against uh, a lot of 16, 17, 18 year olds. So physically, you have that advantage. Yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like. Uh, I might be stronger than most of the guys out there now, um, especially that, as I said, just that year one in the belt last year. There's a couple of guys bigger than me. I kind of got pushed around. I sort of wanted to get bigger and stronger in the summer. And that, was, that was my focus this summer, and that's what I think I did. And I came in here, I uh, put on a couple more pounds, feel a lot stronger out there, and yeah, I think that's contributing to my success as well. Quinton Byfield of the Sudbury Wolves, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. And uh, in this part of the program, Quinton, we like to introduce the, my audience to somebody that's in your position, being that it's your NHL draft season. And not everybody that's hearing this will be uh, avid followers of the OHL, so some people might not recognize the name Quinton Byfield. So if you don't mind, let's get a little bit of background. Uh, where are you from? I'm from uh, Newmarket, Ontario. My parents, my dad, uh, Clinton Byfield, he's from Jamaica. Um, and then my mom, Nicole Casper, she's from Canada, but her, both her parents are from Germany. Okay, really interesting uh, combination there of nationalities, for sure. Yeah, uh, that. How old were you when you first started playing? Do you remember? Um, I think my mom took me out when I was just to skate when I was around two, just going on to two. Um, that's why I really started learning to love the game. I started becoming okay scared back then, and then I think I really got into the game around four, just playing house league, Timbits hockey down in Georgina. Okay. Do you have uh, siblings? Uh, one sister. Um, she's 99, turned 20 on June 24th, and she goes to Guelph University. Okay. Did, now, did she play uh, any sports or, you know, specifically hockey? Uh, no, she actually, we, we used to be a pretty big soccer family. Um, I used to play rap soccer as well, and that's what my sister really, she was pretty good at it until she hurt her knee, and then she had to get surgery on that, so I kind of put her out of it, but she was a big soccer player. And you were too, you said? Yeah, I was, I was not too bad. You know, I played striker, put in my fair amount of goals. So whether it's hockey or soccer, you're used to putting the, uh, the, uh, hitting the target and, uh, and putting up points for your team. Um, uh, when did you, uh, oh, yeah. when did you kind of give soccer up? Um, I sort of gave soccer up probably, uh, I would say four or five years ago now. You know, I had to really start focusing on hockey, but mm-hmm. I think playing a lot of other sports really helped me become like a complete athlete. Um, that I am today, and that really helped me own hockey. I'm glad to hear you say that because I think there's there's somewhat of a debate in regards to that uh, going on these days. Yeah. Some people say, "No, let's say, you know focus in on one sport and and try to be uh, awesome at it," and other people like you say, "No, you play a lot of sports and it helps you become better at that one." Yeah, that's what I think definitely. Uh, as I said, I just I think that really helped me um, sort of get my hand high with like baseball. Uh, my speed, quickness when I play like football, and then like power, I guess. I'm uh, just playing soccer and on like because those games are really long, so mm-hmm. I really get your interest. that just really contributed to playing hockey. Well, and hockey's worked out pretty well for you. The first player taken in the 2018 OHL priority selection uh, by the Sudbury Wolves, and take me back to uh, the draft day and and uh, when you see yourself being cha- chosen first overall. No, it's definitely like a really good feeling. You know, I was with my family, uh, my mom, dad, sister, Oma, they're all there with me. So that definitely made the day a lot better as well. You know, it's probably the best day of my life so far. But um, I've been dreaming of that moment, working towards that my whole life, basically. And just getting that praise of going number one there um, definitely knows that like you're on the right path. 29 goals last year, 61 assists in 64 games. So 
Uh, I was going to ask you, you know, if if you felt a lot of pressure to to be a a dominating player or an impact player as a rookie. If you felt any pressure, it didn't show up in your stats because you had a really strong season. But what was it? What's it like being a first overall pick and having the the weight of expectation from the fans and and probably the organization on you as well? Uh, you know, I kind of try not to think about it too much. You know, the fans here are awesome. They showed me a lot of support. Uh, our team a lot of support. You know, we had a pretty good season last year. We made a big step. So I think they didn't really put too much pressure on me. And I don't know if they put as much pressure on me as they did to Uka. You know, that guy was unbelievable for us. So yeah. I think uh, he really took some of that pressure off my shoulders. But and allow me to kind of just play my game. I really just got really comfortable down here with all the boys and everything. I think off the ice, that chemistry really contributed to our on the ice. You know, we're a really tight group of guys, and uh, I think we're all comfortable with each other off the ice. So on the ice, it was just everything was just clicking, really. What's the outlook for the team this year, in your opinion? How far can you guys go? Uh, you know, I think uh, everyone, we had a young group last year. You know, all of our guys were kind of the younger guys, the core. And I think with that extra year, um, under all, all our belts, you know, like me, Thompson, Phillips, Robinson, a couple of the other of the guys, you know, even the older guys moving on, it's another year under the belt. Everyone gets bigger and stronger, and uh, I think we're looking pretty good as well. You know, we got off to an 0-2 start. It was a bit rough, but then, you know, I think everything started clicking. Um, we've won three straight. We put three wins together, and I think uh, that can definitely continue through the season. We can make a far run here. Quentin Byfield, my guest. Uh, who have your line mates been for the most part this year, or has that changed at all? As of late, I've been playing with, uh, as I said, Shane Belinka and Blake Murray. You know, Blake Murray, he was drafted to Carolina this year in the sixth round. I think um, he, he went to the camps, the main camp as well, and I think he really brought back a lot of confidence from that. You know, he had a really successful camp, and uh, he's been playing very well as of late as well. You know, he he's my right winger there. He knows how to finish in that. I think he has... 30-something goals last year, and this year he's off to a pretty good start as well with eight points. And then Shane Malenka, he's one of the older guys. He's away this year. He's one of our captains. Uh, he's definitely a mature player out there on the ice. Uh, he's always in the right spot knowing where to go. And we just have a pretty solid line together there. And for you, this year, six goals, six points. Last year, your points were pretty much evenly split between goals and assists as well. Do you see yourself more as a, a puck distributor, or are you a shooter yourself? Uh, I'm definitely more passionate, you know. And as I said, when I'm playing with Blake Murray, you know, I know if I pass to that guy, he's putting it in the back of the net. So right. I think I'm more of a passer, but I kind of just see how the game goes as well. If I have the shot, I'll definitely take it, but I may look for the pass. How many times do you, are you told, uh, you know, if you could just be a little bit more selfish because you can score too? Yeah, no, I get told that a lot. You know, there's yeah. a couple of plays where I try to overpass the puck uh, just on like two-on-ones or three-on-twos. I should be shooting and just shoot for a rebound because sometimes you don't get a shot out of it. So definitely could be a bit more selfish, but I accept my teammates as well. Now the season for you started back in August with the Helenka Gretzky Cup. You got to go overseas and represent Canada, and I imagine that was a a a, a fun experience for you. And the, the tournament well went well uh, for you on a personal level and for the team. Um, did that give you a, a nice kickstart, uh, you know, a head start for the start of this season? Yeah, I think it definitely did because. Um, uh, we started, kind of started a year, like, uh, I mean, a month earlier than everyone else, got into the flow of things already. Um, we're playing against all the top players around the world our age. It was good to see the competition that we're up against, all of us. And I think we really had a pretty successful tournament. Um, it definitely hurts to lose in the 
golden out game, but that's just something you can push for next time. How much are you thinking about the NHL draft already? I know it's a, it's a long ways away, but the spotlight's going to be on you all season. Yeah, no, I try not to think about it too much. Not, don't really look at the media. Kind of try to put that away, but uh, I'm definitely there. But I, I just try to put it away. Does it matter to you if you're the first player taken or the fifth player taken or you're top ten or you're outside of the top ten? Does it matter? I mean, at this point, there's no pressure. There's no question in regards to if you're going to get drafted. It's just a matter of when. Does it matter to you where in that first round you go? Uh, I don't think so. You know, all the teams have good organizations there. Um, it's not what you do at the draft or before the draft. So what do you do afterwards, you know? Um, you can be like a late-round pick and just have a really good successful career after that as well. You can be a first-rounder and not do as well. So it's what you do with the opportunity you get, and I think that's really important. Most guys, they would say, you know, what do you have to do to get ready for the next level? And they'd say get bigger and stronger. You've already checked both of those boxes off, so what's left to do for you? How, what, what, what are you focusing in on here in the rest of your time in the OHL? Uh, I think I'll definitely focus on my defensive game. You know, um, Last year, I made a big step towards that. Uh, I came in just strictly offensive player, I think, and then last year I got a lot of help from my coaches. Um, I played defensive, and that really turned me into a two-way player, kind of, and then uh, you never can be perfect in the D-zone, so I want to keep continuing that success back there and hopefully I can come a really solid two-way forward at the next level. Are you a guy who, who sets uh, statistical goals for yourself? Like, I want to get this many goals or this many points? Um, I'm not too big on that. You know, I just try to see how the game goes, see how I'm feeling out there, and just really try to play my own game, and I think that'll all come to me. Lastly, uh, you're an Ontario guy. Did you grow up uh, with the Leafs your team or maybe the Senators or I, I know Buffalo and, and Detroit aren't that far away? Who was, who was your team as a kid? Um, I think my first team as a kid was probably the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, that's probably everyone's first team, just Crosby, Malk, and they got all the guys. But uh, my favorite player on that team was Sergei Gonchar because I used to play defense um, when I was younger, and huh. that's where, where I got my 55 number from as well. But after Gonchar kind of left, I started liking Tampa Bay Lightning. I liked uh, Martin St. Louis. That's my second favorite player all time. So, uh, yeah, Tampa is still my team now going forward. Marty St. Louis, there is uh, almost nothing in common you have with Marty St. Louis. <laughs> well, no. Why do you uh, why do you start liking him? I mean, there's lots to like about him, but why in particular for you? Uh, I think he never had it easy, like, come easy for him. You know, he bounced around quite a bit beforehand before making his team the Tampa Bay Lightning, just the compete level he puts up. You know, he might be the biggest guy, but he's always first in the in there getting um, the pop, and then he's just great all around, too. You know, he scored a lot of goals and set up Stamkos. Him and Stamkos were a dynamic duo out there. Great answer. I really like that. Uh, Quentin, listen, I appreciate your time today. Uh, best luck the rest of the way this year, and I uh, hope we can chat again one day. All right. Thank you for having me on your podcast. All right, Quentin Byfield, and before that, Akil Thomas. Uh, those two interviews uh, were lengthy, so this has become a long segment, so we'll end it here. And uh, when we come back, a couple more players that we chatted with. One started in the NCAA, the other started in the WHL, and they both ended up on the same team before their junior career was done. That's next here on the Pipeline Show. Hey, it's Jake Neighbors from the Edmonton Oil Kings. Sawchuck. Here comes Neighbors driving away. Backhander scores! What a shot! Oh, Jake Gamers backhander on the rush. It's 4-3 Edmonton. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Oh, my. All right, we're back. My name is Gee Flaming. Thanks for uh, coming back again for another uh, another episode, another segment. Uh, this week we've been uh, replaying some of the interviews we've had with uh, some of the minority players that we've uh, had on the show over the course of the 15 years of The Pipeline Show. We've heard from uh, players like Evander Kane, Jordan Greenway, uh, Darnell Nurse, in this segment, we're going to go back and listen to a couple of interviews with uh, players of a different ethnicity, a couple of uh, Punjabi players, both of them from British Columbia. But uh, we don't have a lot of uh, players from the South Asian community that are in the NHL, but uh, Jujar Kera of the Edmonton Oilers is one of them. And uh, when we first spoke with Jujar, it was back in 2013, uh, February 23rd of 2013. That was back in Season 8. Now, here's a guy who was in the BCHL, then he went to the NCAA, eventually jumped to the Everett Silvertips, and is now in the NHL with the Edmonton Oilers. But uh, back when we spoke with him, it was in the season after he'd been drafted, but he was down at Michigan Tech playing with the Huskies. Here's the conversation Dean Millard and I had with Jujar Kara. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the season so far with the Huskies. I know it's hasn't been the, uh, the the best of seasons, but what have you learned about yourself? Uh, yeah, um, it hasn't been a great season, but we're coming together here and just uh, learning about myself that I could play at this level. Um, it took a, a little bit of time to get used to, but just playing with the great players around me that we could we could do some damage in the next couple of years here. How big of a jump uh, up was this for you? you know, last year playing in the BCHL, you had lots of points, uh, 79 in, in 54 games. I know you had you know, a decision to make whether it was to go to the Everett Silver Tips or go the NCAA route, and you stuck with uh, your commitment to Michigan Tech. Uh, what was How big of a jump has that been? I mean, everybody talks about how it's a big jump, but in what ways specifically is it uh, you know, so much uh, more of a challenge than what uh, you played last year? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge jump from the BCHL. Uh, the biggest thing for me was the speed. I wasn't the fastest guy in the BCHL, and I'm not the fastest guy here. So it took some, took some time just to um, kind of see how I'm how I was going to fit in, how I was going to use my speed, and uh, just be smarter to fit in. Yeah, and uh, strength wise, a lot of the guys are bigger here and stronger, and the, everybody knows how to play the body here. So you got to. Um, I had to keep my head up the first couple of games just to see what it was like. Interesting that you mentioned maybe not the best skater. It, is the college route something you looked at saying, I've got some real good raw tools here, but I think I might need a little bit of extra time to develop, you know, improve my skating, uh, put on a little bit of weight. You're 6'3", 195. Is that one of the reasons that you looked at the college route is that it gives you that little bit of extra time to develop those skills and that you might be a late bloomer? Yeah, uh, that was a big reason uh, development-wise. Uh, a lot of the guys already developed, and I, I'd say I was a late bloomer, so 
I had to grow into my body. Um, that was, yeah, one of the bigger reasons why I came to college. The start of the season for yourself, I seem to recall you got off to a pretty good start. I'm just going to pull your stats up, but was that key for you was to, to make sure that as a freshman, sometimes you got to bide your time and fit into the roster a little bit, uh, but you started to produce right away. How big of a key was that for you just to make sure you're getting all the ice time that you wanted to get, things like that? Uh, it was really nice, actually, uh, getting to play right off the bat. It, it was good for the confidence and all that. It's tough for a freshman to come in and not play the first couple uh, couple games there, but uh, it was nice with Coach Pearson here and the coaching staff. Uh, they had they have trust in me, and they thought I could play, and yeah, they let me do what I can. Tell us a little bit about uh, what role you're playing uh, with the Huskies uh, as compared to the role you played at Prince George. Are you seeing some power play time? Have you been able to uh, move into to maybe the top six, um, you know, uh, in the lineup? Are you getting those offensive opportunities? Uh, yeah, I am. It's uh, actually a similar role to Prince George playing on the power play and uh, I top six forwards. Um, the only difference is I'm not uh, penalty killing here in Michigan Tech. Uh, they're giving the more uh, experienced guys bad opportunity, which I respect. And hopefully uh, by next year or the year after, I'll be penalty killing as well. Uh, let's talk about maybe some highlights that you've had this year. I think may, one of them might have to be, and, and I kind of previewed them earlier, the Michigan Wolverines. That You guys played them, I believe, in the Great Lakes Invitational. You had a three-point game, and did you guys win 4 nothing? Yes, we did. So tell, tell, does that maybe stand out as maybe the highlight? It's a big rival for you guys, and you coming up with a huge game? Yeah, uh, that was one of the key moments here because we were um – we were underdogs in that tournament, and it was nice to get the win against uh, Michigan, especially since our coach, he was an assistant coach there and all that, so it was good. And it was the first time that your club had won the Great Lakes Invitational for how long? I believe it was 32 years. Wow. I mean, that's that's fantastic for wow. you. And that's a pretty big win. I imagine that got the uh, the school spirit going uh, back on campus. Uh, yes, it did, even... At the Great Lakes, our, our fans came out there, and uh, they cheered us on, and that really helped out. And then, yeah, even coming back home, we got quite we got uh, pretty good uh, just around the campus and walk around town. Everybody was congratulating us and all that. Uh, you had a chance uh, being drafted in 2012 to come in uh, for a prospects camp, uh, did you? Yes, I did. So tell us a little bit about what that experience was for you, uh, what it was like for you to skate out on the ice. I know a lot of fans there were were there to watch Neil Yakupov and his uh, practice celebrations. Uh, what was it like for you, though, being out there with those players and, and kind of comparing yourself to the guys you'll com- be competing with for roster spots the next few years? It was good. It was a it was a big jump from junior A as well, and it was nice to see the other prospects that are playing college. They're all top prospects, and it was nice to see how I'd match up just against those guys and see how I would uh, how I do in the season here. Uh, mentioned earlier about the, the Everett Silver Tips, and you had that uh, decision to make. Uh, was that a tough one for you, or was that a, an easy choice? I know going into the draft or after the draft, there was a lot of question which which route would you go. And I thought I read somewhere that uh, the Oilers basically said it's completely up to him, uh, and that uh, well, maybe give us the reasons why you decided to to go the college route. Uh, yeah, I was already committed uh, to Michigan Tech before the draft, and. 
just talking to Edmund, Edmonton there. Uh, they said, you know, it's completely up to you. Uh, we've had great players play for us that have played college and that have come out of the WHL. So uh, just seeing that and just how uh, young the guys are on the team, um, it was. I th- I thought I needed a few more years to develop and just to uh, so I could compete for a spot. And why Michigan Tech? It's not you know one of those preeminently known or recognized uh, hockey player factory schools that we see. You know, uh, and you you play against several of them. Uh, but what was it about Michigan Tech that made it the right uh, program for you, either hockey wise or academically? My first year there, um, our head coach Ed Dempsey. He had he was an alumni at Michigan Tech, and uh, he had a lot of great things to say. And then talking to uh, Damon Whitten here, our assistant coach, he he was really positive. He said I would be getting a lot of ice time playing power play, all that. And, you know, for me, it wasn't really about going to a big school. It was more so about playing time. Excellent stuff. Uh, we appreciate your time today. I know you have the weekend off to rest up, and you guys get back at it uh, in a little bit. Best of luck down the stretch, and hopefully we'll see you soon at Old Oilers Camp. Yeah, thank you for having me. Dujar Kara, then with Michigan Tech, the following season he was with the Everett Silvertips, and that year he had a couple of teammates who were also from uh, with the same ethnicity, and uh, one of them was Tyler Sandu, and I wanted to talk to Tyler specifically about that fact and if um, he felt a bit like a pioneer. I mean, there there have been a few uh, players with uh, from uh, South Asian descent or with a Punjabi background that have played many of them in the WHL, uh, and some of them have gone on to the NHL. Well, I wanted to talk to Tyler Sandu about that. That season, there were actually three Punjabi players just on the Everett Silvertips. So the audio of this conversation, not as good as a studio mic as it was uh, at Rexall Place before a game between the Oil Kings and the Everett Silvertips. So it was with my little handheld uh, digital recorder. But this conversation with Tyler Sandu took place on October 12th of 2013 back in season nine of the pipeline show here's tyler sandu of the everett silvertips now it's your second or third year in the league so you've you've been around the block a little bit uh tell me how this year is different for you maybe is it a mental thing different uh, than uh, than previous years Uh, i think it is definitely a little bit of mental um obviously your first year you try to get used to the the league and the pace of the league and you try to just soak up as much information as you can from the older guys and now um i guess this year you are an older guy and you try to teach younger guys how you were learning when you're um, the first year but i think it's just mostly confidence you have more confidence and uh, you feel more comfortable out there when you have the puck and with everything when you're just on the ice tell me what your role is on this team because i know it's it's kind of a mix where there's a lot of young guys but some key uh, veterans on the team as well where do you fit in I don't know. I just try to be um, a guy that can, uh, you know, just help the team um, offensively. I just try to be creative. Uh, you know, honestly, I uh, trying to just work on uh, doing whatever they need me to do, and that's what I'll do. Uh, I know a lot of guys talk about how year to year it's different physically because you're growing up, you're maturing, you're filling out. Uh, do you notice a difference on the ice for yourself? Uh, definitely. Um, I feel a little stronger out there. Obviously, off season help with that. Um, you know, uh, just with the puck, you feel you're so much stronger when you have the puck on the ice and. Um, obviously defensively holding off guys it also helps and uh, I think it's just confidence wise you know it's always mental too and I think mentally I just feel stronger too. Uh, tell me how you got into hockey. Uh, well, I was about four years old I guess um, my dad used to be a big fan of hockey uh, he never really got a chance to play ice hockey so he really wanted me to try it and I just loved it ever since I first stepped on the ice. Southern BC guy does that make you a, a Canucks fan automatically? Uh, yeah well my dad's a pretty big fan too and a lot of my family is so I just got really into them 
So I'm a big fan of them and also Pittsburgh. Yeah. And Pittsburgh as well. Well, a lot of nice players to, to cheer for on that club. Anybody in particular that you kind of looked up to as a as an idol for hockey-wise that uh, you think you could play like? I never really had somebody that I just looked up as I you know, wanted to play. Like I always grew up just watching a lot of the players. I love Jonathan Taze, watching Jonathan play. Taze play, sorry. Uh, you know, there's guys like Stamkos. Uh, you know, um, being a Canuck fan, I always like the way Kessler plays, how hard he plays. And so I never really had an idol, but I just kind of looked up to a lot of guys. Give me an idea what it's like to, to play under uh, Kevin Constantine, who's been in the league before and he's been on my show a couple of times, but can be an intimidating guy. Uh, what's it like uh, playing under him? Uh, I think it's strictly hard work. You know, he demands hard work, and I think that's everything that we all need to have. And he's really put that, uh, emphasized that to us, and I think we've uh, really earned to uh, do that. So, uh, again, just playing hard and um, really buying into doing things right. So I think that's helping us out right now. Is he asking of you different things than previous coaches has asked from you? Or is it uh, is that just a natural progression where you're older, you're, you're bigger, stronger, you take on a different role anyway? Um, I think it's both. He's always he's already taught me a bunch of things. You know, you got to be hard every night. You got to be able to be at your best every night or... Um, you know, you're going to lose opportunity. You have to be at your best every night. And I think that's one thing he just kept teaching me. And uh, I'm trying to learn right now is you got to be uh, consistent every single night. And uh, and right now I'm just still trying to learn that. I wanted to ask you about your ethnic background. And just you know, hockey has traditionally been a, a, a middle-sized white guy sport. And it's kind of evolved. And, and for good reasons, uh, it's good that it has. There's not a lot of role models that have come before you, but there have been some guys in the league. Kevin Sunder, a recent example, he talked about kind of feeling like a pioneer, a trailblazer. Similar situation for you? Um, I think so. Honestly, you know, I grew up, uh, my dad is a good friend with a guy named Robin Bawa. He played in the NHL once. And, right. you know, I, I always just learned growing up. I never really thought about it. But once you get older, you know, you see guys like Kevin. And obviously on my team, I have Jujar and um, Manny. And, you know, you start looking up to each other and you guys learn from each other. And we're just trying to do our best for our community and also just in hockey in general. We're just trying to be role models for our community to become, uh, you know, a bigger part of our community to play hockey. And, you know, even for me, I've seen my a lot of my cousins starting to grow up to play hockey now. And it's just a really cool feeling to see that. But, uh, again, we're just trying to work hard and, you know, uh, capture our dreams. Has racism ever been an issue for you on the ice? No, to be honest, I've never really never got it. I think it's changed now. You never really get that. But, uh you know, it's not really something you get. Honestly, I've never really got it, to be honest with you. Well, that's, that's good to hear. I was a little surprised by that, but it's good to hear that. Um, you mentioned you got teammates uh, uh, that uh, come from the same ethnic background as you. What is it about Everett? No coincidence? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I guess it just ends up being like that. So uh, there's three of us. I don't know how many there are in the league. There's yeah. about five, but I guess three of them end up being on this team. So Awesome. Thanks for this. Appreciate it. Good luck. Thanks for having me. Tyler Sandu, and before that, Jujar Kara. Still to come on the Pipeline show, you're going to hear from uh, NHLers, P.K. Subban and uh, Seth Jones, Ethan Bear, and a uh, prospect as well in Roddy Ross. All of that still ahead here on the Pipeline show with Guy Flaming. For Strom, Strom looking back to break it, fires and scores. There's number 50 on the season for Alex Dabrinkit. They'll pick up that puck. It was wired. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. 
The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Make it better. Turn up the good. Turn down the suck. We're back on The Pipeline Show. My name is Gee Flaming. I mentioned earlier in the show that we, we hear so much about racism coming from the states and that a lot of people think it's not as big of an issue here in Canada. Uh, that's not the case. And talk about reconciliation and every, all the steps that uh, and all the learning I think a lot of people have gone through over the last, uh, I don't know, decade or so about the atrocities and the, the horrors committed by uh, the Canadian government against our indigenous population. A lot of it... I, I, this I'm almost 50. I'm 49. None of that was taught in school when I was uh, a student. We learned about Louis Riel, and that was about it. And that happened near Cold Lake in, in Frog Lake. Knew nothing about residential schools and uh, all of those just uh, atrocities. And much more has become public about that and um, what we need to do to try to make it right for our indigenous population. And there is still so much work to do. Uh, there are places it, we, I mean, we've talked about Flint. You've heard so much about Flint, Michigan, I and mean, what the drinking water situation there and how it's bad. There are places, lots of places in Canada, where Canadians, uh, First Nations, don't have clean drinking water as well. And you might think those are remote locations. I, I, I uh, attended a uh, blanket ceremony locally near where I live. In fact, that the, the ceremony was across the street from where I live. And what I learned that night was that it's it's not necessarily remote locations. The Enoch First Nation, which is on the border of Edmonton, doesn't have clean water. So if you think it's uh, just racism against African Americans, uh, you are sadly mistaken. We have a lot to improve here in our country as well. I pulled a couple of interviews of, of featuring Indigenous players. We'll start with uh, Ethan Bear of the Edmonton Oilers when we chatted with him. It was at the end of a season uh, with the Seattle Thunderbirds, and we were looking back at that that season that was, including a stop in his hometown in Saskatchewan, which uh, really meant a lot to his community. So we'll uh, hear that conversation. You also might, I'm trying to remember, I think you might hear the sports doctor, Taylor Medic, as well in this interview. So here is uh, Ethan Bear of the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, at this point with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Tied up on the near wall. Ian Dealey with battle. Barzell keeps it moving. A cross-size feed to Obright. Blue line. Bear fires a shot. Score! Ethan Bear pulls the Tiburs back one. 7-4 now with five to go. That's a double shot at Tom Boyning here on the Pipeline Show uh, today uh, with the uh, highlights. <laughs> As we uh, bring in Ethan Bear uh, to the show. How are you today, Ethan? I'm fine. How are you? Uh, doing fantastic and happy to have you. Busy uh, at this point uh, in your life right now? I mean, uh, how have you been spending your time lately? Uh, yeah, most time in the gym. You know, I, especially I'm still in high school, so I'll be there a lot. But uh, usually when I'm done that, usually in the gym or still on the ice, actually, since there's uh, ice here all all year round, so it's good. Uh, so you, you practice all through uh, through the summer as well on the ice? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have ice here. It's free, so it's, hmm. I'm always there like, every day. Usually after I work out or something, so 
Uh, what sort of things are you uh, you working on in the gym right now in advance of the combine? Is it a lot of just trying to get a lot stronger, uh, as much pack on as much uh, muscle and weight as you can to improve your uh, your height and weight and all that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Trying to get stronger and mainly speed and quickness for me, uh, and a lot of cardio, especially. But uh, yeah, mainly trying to get ready for uh, those bike tests and and just yeah, getting stronger as well. Uh, Ethan, this is our 2015 Draft Spotlight segment. What we like to do in this part of the show is introduce uh, our audience to a player who's eligible for the next draft and kind of get to know a little background. So take us back to uh, your childhood, and how old were you when you first started playing hockey? I think I first started skating when I was about four years old, and I don't think I really liked it then, but (laughs) I think my parents just pushed me to keep going. Plus, Plus my other brother, my older brother, actually really played, and he was good, so I really looked up to him, so I think that's why I kept with it, and then as I got older, I started progressing and started liking it a lot more. And I guess that, con- that competitive edge really kept me going, and I, I've always liked it since. And I guess uh, just growing up in a hockey community, I guess that was just what I wanted to do, and I just kept with it. Uh, I know you played uh, for Pursuit of Excellence uh, in your Bantam draft year. I think that was your Bantam draft year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then at the end of that season, you get taken in the second round by the T-Birds. Some pressure with being drafted that high, isn't there? Um. No, no, I don't think so. Not too really. Uh, I just kept with it. I think uh, I was pretty excited mainly. It wasn't too much pressure at all. It was just, I guess, just another draft. I guess. Uh, I guess I didn't really think of it as much pressure. I just went out and played and did what I can. Just hopefully make uh, do what I can for Seattle, make them happy. I guess. I read a story that uh, while you were at uh, at Poe playing uh, your band of hockey, that uh, your mom would come out all the way from Saskatchewan a, a bunch of times, uh, you know, every every month or so, uh, just to check in, and, and uh, maybe you were feeling a little homesick. Yeah, yeah, she had always come like every tournament. She came to every tournament, yeah. And uh, whenever there wasn't a tournament or anything, like she'd come at least once a month, so I didn't get any like, homesick or or miss them at all. So it was great. It was nicer nice for her to do that, and I really like that. Well, I know, and then the next year, uh, I know you played closer to home uh, in Yorkton uh, the season after. But going to Seattle yeah. then uh, for your rookie season was it much the same? Did you did you have a hard time adjusting to uh, life in a new city and and south of the border? Um, no, it wasn't too bad. I guess like my parents, they came up once a month again just to watch a few games that come up like once a weekend or something. But it was it was it was nice, and they're all very supportive. So it wasn't too hard on me because I came a lot, so it was great. Ethan Bear of the Seattle Thunderbirds, our guest here in the 2015 draft spotlight. In your rookie year, you had six goals, 19 points in 58 games. Uh, that jumped to uh, 13 goals this year and 38 points. So uh, you played a few more games this season, but uh, doubling your production, your offensive production. Um, what were your expectations coming into the season? Are you a guy who sets statistical goals for yourself? Um, no, not really. I just, I guess I try to look for like, uh, Personal goals, like short-term goals, like maybe like shooting more or trying to get quicker or something like that. Just not really too much points because if you focus on that, it kind of gets to your head. So I don't really focus on like the goals and the points and all that, but it sure is nice when you do get them. So when you look back at the season, are you happy with uh, with the way you played? Did you accomplish the, those types of things that you were hoping to? Uh, yeah, I think I did. I think I learned a lot this year and I... I got some good numbers for myself, but I thought, I thought it was fun. It was great, and I really enjoyed it. Ethan, you mentioned getting shots through and, and you know things like that, working on your game in, in practice and whatnot. You know, how much does it help being with a guy like Shea Theodore on the blue line? Maybe not necessarily if you're playing with him, but just having him around in practice, and, and your decor seems uh, like a, a group that really likes to generate offense, 
I think three of your guys uh, in the top ten on your team in scoring. Yeah, yeah, I know it's good. It's fun to watch them in practice. And, you know, you you can learn a few things of maybe just how he moves on the blue line or when he's going to shoot or where he's going to look in the shoot. You know, you learn a few things, and it's it's nice having him there. You know, he's a good leader, he's a good friend, and I think uh, I think he really helped us a lot once he came back, which which was nice and. Uh, it was good, you know. It's it's always nice having a lot of guys who can shoot and move the puck, and we had a pretty solid decor, so it was good, you know. Whenever uh, whoever is out there, you can pretty much rely on them. A few high-profile teammates uh, in regards to the NHL draft this year: yourself and, uh, of course, Matt Barzell, Ryan Gropp. I imagine there are a ton of scouts at every uh, T-Birds game this season. Is it something you guys talk about much uh, between the three of you? I think like, we'll mention it a few times, but we don't really talk about like the scouts that are there or something like. Usually, like the birds will tweet something like, like this much scouts. Be like, whoa, it didn't look like that, that much, or, oh, I thought there was less, but it was, no, we don't really, like, doesn't really bother us or anything, but yeah, we do, like, talk about every once in a while, but not too often. Do you personally try not to think about the draft? I mean, when the rankings come out, I don't know if you follow NHL Central Scouting or ISS or Redline or, or McKean's or anybody else, hockeyprospect.com. Yeah. Are you a guy who looks to see where, uh, where people have you ranked? Um, no, not too, not too much actually, but like, yeah, you will look and you'll see and you see like maybe you're not as high as you probably think you should, but at the end of the day, that's just a ranking. So you can't really do much about it, but just play your game. So like, I guess you will look at it, but you can't really let it bother you. Like once you're on on the ice, you just got to play. So Uh, how big of an event was it for you uh, to get to go over to play for uh, Canada? I guess at the, the Ivan link at the start of the year and then again at the end of the season at the world U18. Yeah, it's awesome. It's amazing, especially to represent your country and then do it twice. It's awesome. And to go over and play in a different country, it's great. And to see all the other countries play and play them, it's awesome. And, uh, you know, it, Team Canada is just great. You know, uh, they treat you well and, and all the guys are, like, everyone's enjoying it and are having a good time and the coaching's awesome. So it's all, it's all a great time. And I really, I'm really happy I got to go again. Yeah. The, the Ivan Olink at the start of the year, the U18 at the end. Two very different tournaments, though, aren't they? I mean, Canada heavily favored at the Ivan Holinka, uh, and not as much at the U18 because it's a, a tournament yeah. that's been dominated by the United States. Uh, uh, yeah. Tell me the the difference from a player's perspective, just in the quality of the opposition uh, between the two tournaments. Yeah, I think uh, Ivan Holinka maybe uh, maybe not as challenging for us because we had because we have all our good players and yeah. everyone's there. But uh, at you uh, the U18 World and Worlds. It's it's different because we have a lot of guys back in playoffs in the CHL, so it's hard. And I guess all the other other teams like they bring all their top guns, so that makes it harder on us. So I don't know. It's like you still want to win on each tournament, and I guess you're always playing your best just for because it's Team Canada. But you know, you always try hard. And I wish we uh, could have got a goal, but I guess bronze will do. At one point uh, during the season, uh, the long road trip uh, that the T-Birds take into uh, Saskatchewan and, and into Brandon, you got to play host uh, for the team. Uh, everybody came through your hometown, and uh, I just wonder what that yeah. experience was like for you. Oh, no, it was amazing, uh, especially uh, to bring all the guys out to my home reserve. It was perfect, and I really enjoyed it, and I think all the people around here really liked it. You know, we had a little we had a practice, and then after that we had a little autograph session for all the kids and whoever wanted to come out and skate. So it was great. I really liked it. I, I'm actually, I really loved it, but it was, it was awesome. I know I can't get over it. Uh, good luck at the combine. And of course, whatever happens in the draft, I'm sure we'll talk to you again when the, the T-Birds roll through Edmonton next year. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You bet.
That was uh, Ethan Bear of the now of the Edmonton Oilers, back then the Seattle Thunderbirds, and uh, it was another Indigenous player that I had a chat with uh, named uh, Brandon Montour, played in the USHL and uh, off to UMass. Uh, now with the well, where is he now? Buffalo. Uh, he was with the Anaheim Ducks, uh, and I was going to use that uh, that interview. Uh, but I decided to go uh, another direction because Roddy Ross, actually uh, the goaltender, formerly of the another Seattle Thunderbird, but now he's with the Regina Pats. A uh, part of the conversation I had with him was specifically about representing First Nation players uh, and what that meant to him. Uh, so I wanted to share that conversation with you as well. This goes. This is just last year. Uh, Roddy Ross in conversation here on the Pipeline Show in his 2019 Draft Spotlight segment. Is the draft on your mind much? Uh, yeah, it's something I always think about. Uh, I mean, it's something that's really exciting, I guess, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, and, and you really came onto the uh, the radar for a lot of people once you got to the WHL, and this was an interesting season for you. Started off in the Alberta Junior Hockey League with the Camrose Kodiaks, and then uh, right after New Year's, I believe, you signed with the Seattle Thunderbirds uh, and uh, instant success with the T-Birds out in Seattle. What was this season like for you? Uh, yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster ride. I mean, it was uh, up and down there. Um, it was uh, the start there was in Camrose. I mean, it went uh, it went decent there. It went good, and then I decided to make the switch up and with Seattle there. Once uh, Bill contacted me, and I guess it just took off from there, and that's when the real magic started happening, and it just all went good. How long had they been talking to you and, and expressed an interest in you before you actually signed? Uh, it actually started at the start of the year, and that's when I wasn't as interested in to go in there because I thought I was going to go the NCAA route. Right. And then they told me what's going on there and the trade and stuff, and I said, yeah, let's do it. So here I was. So that trade was uh, the Liam Hughes trade. They moved him to the Lethbridge Hurricanes. That opened up a spot for a goaltender, and that obviously was enough to, to convince you to go. Um, it seemed like you had an instant fit there, and you had a, a nice run to start with. It didn't take you long to get uh, used to the WHL. Why do you think that was? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it started off, I guess, good. I mean, uh, I guess I got lucky there, and it all went as planned off the start. And I just kept calm and did my thing, and turned out it all worked out. Well, that's for sure. Ended the year with a uh, 919 save percentage and a 276, excuse me, 276 goals against average. It helped get that team uh, back into the playoffs once again. Uh, Roddy Ross is my guest. He uh, plays for the Seattle Thunderbirds of the Western Hockey League and uh, draft eligible this year. Roddy, let's uh, for for those who are listening to this show right now and and might not uh, follow the WHL all that closely, might not recognize the name Roddy Ross. In fact, a lot of people even that watch the WHL because you weren't in the league at the start of the year. Uh, let's get to know you a bit more. Uh, where are you from? I'm actually from Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. I know Meadow Lake because I'm from Cold Lake, uh, just across the border in Alberta. And uh, Meadow Lake was the first rink I played in as a kid that had seating all the way around the ice surface. Yeah. So that always yeah. felt like it always felt like a professional building to me. Um, how old were you when you first started playing, Roddy? I think I was about five years old, five six years old, or something like that. Have you always been a goaltender? I think I changed when I was about seven. Okay, well, that's still pretty young. Yeah. Why did you want to be a goalie? Uh, actually, my parent, my dad didn't want me to be a goalie, and then I guess I had one good game, and that's when I said, no, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be goalie. He didn't really agree on it, and then I guess it just, it just clicked from there. 
from Meadow Lake, you, you ended up playing, I know, uh, some of your midget hockey in Lloyd and Tisdale as well in the uh, Saskatchewan uh, Midget Hockey League. Uh, and then to Camrose, as we mentioned, in the AJHL. So you moved around a lot. Um, it's not something that, I mean, it's something that you've uh, you've done. So moving out to Seattle, I guess, maybe a little bit easier than for most people. Uh, uh, did it uh, Was it hard moving around a lot, though, when you were younger? Uh, no, I think that was something that we wanted. I mean, we moved away. Our first place, we moved to North Alford, and then we went to Lloyd after that. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we moved quite a bit. I guess, uh, the parents wanted me to play more competitive hockey, and Metal Lake was just, I guess, at that point where it wasn't as competitive sure. there. So we moved around a bit just to find, uh, I guess, higher step. And I guess that's, uh, that's what really helped out. Uh, how do you go from Tisdale to Camrose? Does uh, Boris Rabalka call you, or do you call him? He called. Well, he got contacted to me, and then we uh, went down for a meeting there. That was actually at the Max tournament, is where I think they really seen me play. Okay. And that's where it, uh, that's where it all got serious there. And then we went down to the camp there, and I met them. Actually, I went to a game. I went to a game, and he uh, showed me around. Showed me what their uh, what their organization was and that's when we really took off there and that's when i said i wanted to play there six foot four 180 pounds is what the whl uh website has you listed at is that uh, still up to date uh gained about five so uh, it's just a little off but no yeah that's 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 it all right when you first arrive in seattle uh, and joining a team midway through a season like that, did did it take a while to to feel like you weren't in like that you belonged there, like you weren't some sort of imposter coming in? Uh, actually, that's what I was thinking about. Is I can't. Uh, I guess I have to pull my weight here because after that trade, I guess I can't be thinking. I gotta let them rely. You know, like trust mm-hmm. me a bit. Mm-hmm. And they actually got me fit in there pretty good. I mean, it was a great bunch of guys, and it was a great staff and organization stuff you know it made me feel real at home there and i think that's what really got me nice and comfortable in that organization were there one or two guys in particular that sort of uh, uh put out the welcome mat for you no bill was basically the guy that i find the thing and i talked to him bill LaForge, but okay. I think other yeah the gm there but if anything else from that i think everyone was just all the same you know they were all good guys and It'll help you if you need help on anything, and they're all there. Well, I don't know if, uh, you know, in November you were thinking much about the NHL draft, but when the final rankings for Central Scouting comes out and your name is on it and uh, ranked, uh, I think, what, 17th or something in North America, so you, it's, yeah. it's certainly a possibility you get drafted. Um, was that surprising to you uh, to see your name uh, at the end of the year there? Uh, yeah, you know, that really uh, did surprise me, and that's something I guess you like to see, and no, it's going to be an exciting day when that comes, and I guess it'll be it'll be fun. Now, for for people who haven't had a chance to watch you play, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen you yet because uh, Seattle didn't come to Edmonton uh, this season. Uh, I, and most goaltenders are some form of butterfly goaltender nowadays. But what sets you apart a little bit? Is there something unique about the way you play? I, I don't I actually don't know what what I play. I think I'm just uh do my own thing, and I guess I uh, just control what I control I guess and uh just do my thing and it just takes off from there I mean I don't really think about what um what I'm doing that much I just kind of do it and it all happens oh so maybe it sounds uh, like you might be uh, a little bit raw still and lots of potential still ahead of you yeah I think that's what uh some people call me as raw too because 
I guess I haven't grown up with much of a goalie coaches and stuff. I guess I just learned off my own. Well, that's interesting. Um, did you have a favorite NHL team growing up, Ronnie? Uh, yeah, I think my NHL team would have to be uh, Montreal Canadiens for Carey Price there. Any particular? Well, I was going to say any particular reason, but <laughs> obviously a Carey Price connection. Uh, we talked to a lot of goalies yeah. on this show, and uh, Carey Price probably the goalie who gets uh, mentioned the most. Uh, anything in particular about Carey Price or his story that that, that connects with you? Um, I think it was just, uh, yeah, like you said, I think it was just his story that he has, and he's just a good role model for the, I guess, the First Nations, and I think that's something I always looked up to. Uh, when I had Ethan Bear on the show, he talked about wanting to represent First Nations people and and and, and hockey and just kind of be a role model like that. Do you do you feel that way as well? Uh, yeah, I guess when you're uh, when you're at this level, there's people that look up to you, and they you get told that. I mean, that's something that you want to do is represent your community and be a role model for the first nations people and do what you can to just i guess succeed and then just be a good uh role model for them some pressure that goes along with that too isn't there how do you handle that uh well i guess you just gotta just gotta <laughs> you just gotta do it i mean you can uh you can't i don't know i guess you just you just do it uh it's something that uh i guess that's what my uh my specialty is is being nice and calm, and it works out. Awesome. Well, you certainly did it with uh, a lot of success this year. Roddy, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, whatever happens at the draft, best of luck, and uh, we'll see you when you come through Edmonton next year with the T-Birds. All right. Thank you. That was Roddy Ross. Unfortunately, we did not get to see uh, Ross play in net uh, when Seattle came through Edmonton this year. In fact, it was uh, Blake Lida who was in goal, and the Old Kings uh, won that game by a score of Six to two, but I'm sure if uh, Ross is back in the dub next year, he's drafted by Philadelphia. He could come back as a uh, an overage player as a 20 year old. Uh, he's not signed yet, uh, so at this point, you would have to think that's probably what happens. Uh, but we'll see. If if he does go back to the Pats, then I'm sure we'll see him here in Edmonton against the Oil Kings. All right, when we come back, we've got one more segment to go, and we're going to feature a couple of really big name NHLers, both of them defensemen. Both of them in the next segment here on the Pipeline Show. One, two, three, four. Penalty is over. And the plane's four of them get out. Up the center and coming in as Lou. Hewenbeck centered it. And the scores. Lanny McDonald. Hey, it's Lanny McDonald, formerly of the Medicine Hat Tigers. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Hi, I'm Sarah from Arcan Trailer and RV. We know many lives have been altered and plans have changed, but something that hasn't changed is everyone's desire to make new memories with their families. Arcan wants to help you go camping this summer and we'd like to make your payments for you. This isn't a deferral. We'll make your payments all summer long. Or if you currently have an RV but need a new one, trade it in and we'll make your payments too. It's on us. Visit ArcanRV.com for details and start planning your best trip ever. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. 
Okay, we're back on the Pipeline Show. Just time for uh, one more segment. This has uh, turned out to be a very long episode of the program, and um, well, I'm not really going to apologize for it, but uh, longer than I expected, put it that way. Uh, let's get to the uh, final two interviews. We're going to re- go back and pull out of the archive. We're going to start. Both of these guys are uh, big-time NHLers now, uh, but when we spoke with uh, them, they weren't in the league yet. I don't think either one of them actually played a game in the league at this point. Uh, and I say that, I know the first guy didn't for sure. The second guy was in the American League when we chatted with him, and I don't think he'd been called up just yet. But let's start going back to Season 8. One of the first guests that we had in the entire season that year, uh, because we always wanted to uh, get one of the guys we thought was going to go really high in the draft. And in fact, Seth Jones did go really high, fourth overall that year. Here's a conversation that Dean Millard and I had with the uh, Portland Winterhawks defenseman, right at the start of the WHL season that year. The horn sounds. The Winterhawks sweep the Tri-City Americans and back-to-back champs in the Western Conference, the Portland Winterhawks. Seth, thanks very much for joining us here on the Pipeline Show as the uh, season gets closer and closer and your first uh, taste of the Western Hockey League on ice. So what's the excitement level like for you right now? What are you most excited about? Uh, The excitement level is very, very high right now. I'm very excited to, you know, get the season going, obviously, with uh, the guys, and it's been uh, a great couple weeks here so far. Uh, I feel very comfortable right now through training camp and uh, a couple preseason games um, with the team and uh, the group of guys, so I'm uh, really looking forward to that first game. When last year, during the WHL final, it officially came out that you had decided uh, to go the route of the WHL and the Portland Winterhawks, your rights had been traded, all that stuff. Uh, were you in Portland? Did you get to take in the final? Did you get to watch it on TV and kind of see what you're going to be getting yourself into? Uh, I did get to watch it on TV. I was not uh, here at the finals. Um, I came for a visit uh, shortly after the finals were over um, down here to Portland to meet with Coach, uh, Coach Johnson and, and Green. Well, how did that translate uh, as you're watching it on TV? Does that get you really excited, you know, even back then in the spring uh, for this coming season, knowing that you were going to come up and play in the WHL, to be able to, to watch it on TV, that atmosphere at, at the uh, in, in Portland for those games was pretty electrifying. Uh, did that get you pumped? Yeah, it really did. It really did. Um, you know, they got you know, 16,000, 17,000 uh, for those those final games, and it was, like, I said, like, uh, like you said, on, on TV, I could see the excitement to the fans and, uh it's a very loud place, and um, you know the, the, the level of play is obviously very, very high. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Hopefully, we can go that deep in the playoffs this year too. Obviously, you've played at a high level in the past. Uh, you attended uh, World Junior Camp for a short time last year. But what has the uh, Western Hockey League been like for you? Even though it is preseason, uh, what's the level of play? Is it what you expected? It is what I expected. Um, like you said, World Junior Camp, uh, you know, same, same age level. Um, you know, but this time it's, um, you know, Canada and U.S. players. And so, I mean, you know, it's, it, it very, it really is the level I expected. And, uh, it's, you know, very high, very fast pace. Um, you know, the four checks on you quicker. You have to make quicker decisions with the puck, um, most of the time. So, um, you know, I think I can adjust pretty well. I think I did, um, play pretty well in the preseason. So hopefully I can carry that over into the regular season. Seth, uh, I think a lot of people last year went through most of the season wondering where you were going to play this coming year. Was it going to be the WHL? Was it going to be the NCAA? Uh, I know you went to North Dakota, and uh, we certainly have a lot of respect for uh, what uh, Dave Haxtell and the and the uh, the Fighting Sioux, they used to be the Fighting Sioux, uh, do in North Dakota. Uh, so w- either way, it would have been fine, you know, with us. 
But what was the turning point for you? Why was the WHL in the end the right choice for you? Um, you know, probably just the, the amount of games we play and, uh, you know, the, the schedule that we play. You know, college obviously is, is uh, works on physical development a lot. Um, you know, so does, that's the, kind of one of the main things I talked to is Portland. Um, my rights were traded. You know, how's the physical development off the ice? And, you know, we work out every single day. We're not playing. Um, you know, we obviously practice too on ice. Um, yeah, just the 72 games and you have the playoff schedule that's very similar to the NHL style. Um, so I think that'll get me ready, you know, because that's where I want to be um, as quick as possible. Now, a lot of guys that were in your situation last year would have already had a verbal or a written commitment to an NCAA school. That wasn't the case for you. Was that, you know, intended for on your end? You know, not to, so you, at some point you wouldn't be backing out of a, a commitment like that if you, in, in fact, did go the CHL route. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I didn't want to, obviously, like you said, you know, go back on my word because that's the most important thing, um, that, that a person could have. Um, you know, so I, that's why I kind of wanted to weigh all my options and, um, I kind of learned more about the WHL, um, and, uh, the NCAA and, uh, you know, I made my decision and, you know, I went, I came to both places, um, to see which one I was more comfortable with and, um, I think the WHL, um, kind of fit my game a little more. How much do you rely and, and talk to your dad about just being a professional, not so much about, you know, hockey and basketball, just being a pro in general, mm-hmm. and how much did you learn from him, his work ethic, all of that stuff as you try to advance your career? Uh, I learned quite a bit. Um, you know, he, he wasn't the most, uh, kind of different for me, you know, he wasn't the most talented, um, you know, basketball player growing up, and, you know, he really had to work and, and grind, uh, you know, for what he got, and that's kind of the, the thing he told me, you know, nothing's obviously going to come easy, and um, just because you got drafted doesn't mean you make the team. You still have to go to training camp, and you still have to outwork, you know, veterans that, um, you know, want to keep their jobs. So, you know, it's it's kind of a, a dog-eat-dog world, he tells me. So, um, you know, you always got to be the hardest worker. Uh, Seth, uh, I th- my expectation was that you kind of uh, caught the hockey bug while you uh, spending some time in Toronto when your dad was there with the Raptors. But uh, Dean was just telling me uh, earlier that it was actually a chance meeting in Colorado with a, a pretty famous NHL player that maybe turned you onto the game. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was I was only about um, two three years old when I was in Toronto, um, and I was I was there for a pretty short period of time when my dad was playing there. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I lived for Colorado um, for eight years. Um, and you know, middle school, um, you know, most of the, the kids in my class were kind of trying out hockey and, you know, the ads won the Stanley Cup in 01, um, which, and I was at that game seven when they won against, uh, New Jersey. So that, that that's what kind of turned it on. And then, you know, obviously my dad talking to Sackick, um, and, you know, telling me I have to learn how to skate it was pretty much the first thing. Um, so that's, that's kind of started off. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you about the playing for the U.S. team, uh, USA Hockey. Uh, you had a great chance to do so at the World Junior Championship last year. Unfortunately, injury uh, knocked you out. I, I, everybody I talked mm-hmm. to said you would have been on that team for sure. Uh, this past year, though, playing for the uh, National Development Program, Brady Shea, Jacob Truba, Pat Seeloff, I'm told the four of you might have been the best foursome that USA Hockey has had at that U18 level in a number of years. Uh, just talk about a little bit about what uh, getting over and playing in the World Junior Championship would mean for you this year, considering what happened last year. Oh, it would be very exciting. It would be very exciting. It would be an honor, um, you know, to, to put the USA jersey on again. Um, hopefully it's not the last time, but, you know, I'm really looking for, hopefully I get to go over to Russia and, you know, play with some of the guys that, 
like Truba and Silas and Shea and, uh, you know, some of the forwards also, um, that were on my team the past couple of years. You know, it'd be great to, you know, reunite with them and, uh, you know, hopefully win a gold medal over there. So I'm really looking forward to that. Six foot uh, three, one eighty three is what I'm looking at. Uh, has that um, jumped up? Have you put on a little bit more weight, and have you grown a little bit more since that? Yeah, that was a little while ago. That was, uh, I'm actually two two ten now. Oh well, that is a long time ago. That it was that yeah. you know it, was that just over the summer that you did that, or is this something that's been kind of progressing uh, in the last year? And what's your height? Uh, that was two years ago, uh, one eighty three, um, two yeah. summers ago. Uh, my height is, I'm at 6'4". Okay, so 6'4", 210. Um, how much does physical aspect, uh, of the physical aspect, uh, plays a role in your game? Uh, you know, I, uh, I don't go out of my way to hit anyone. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, if I get in the corners with some, with a, in the defensive zone or, you know, I need to, to hit someone, I, I have no problem doing that. Um, you know, I can, I can make a physical presence in the game. Um, you know, but I, I usually I usually don't do that. Uh, I usually just you know use my skating ability um, to my advantage and you know jump in the play and create some offense for the team. Uh, would you consider yourself an offensive defenseman? Uh, yes. Okay, and, and is that the way you've kind of always played, or was there a kind of a moment where it kind of clicked in in the last few years? Um, yeah, it's probably clicked in in the last few years. Um. You know, from the start of uh, the U.S. program a couple years ago, um, when I was 15, 16 years old, um, you know, I, I kind of just started to realize that, you know, I had a great skating ability, um, and you know, I could I could jump up in the play with the with the forwards on a rush and be able to get back um, to play defense. So that that kind of that kind of going through my head, and uh, it just kind of worked out that way, I guess. Yeah. I appreciate your time tonight, and the best of luck uh, throughout the season, and obviously looking forward to the 2013 draft. Well, thank you very much. Have a good night. That was Seth Jones. Uh, that interview done on September 11th of 2012. That was uh, back in uh, Season 8 of the Pipeline Show. Last guy we're going to hear from on uh, this week's episode is, uh, well, one of the most recognized players in the NHL these days, P.K. Subban. Now with the Nashville Predators, but when we chatted back with him on January 12th in 2010, he was in his rookie year with the uh, Hamilton Bulldogs. That was the uh, affiliate at the time of the Montreal Canadiens. So for this interview, we're going all the way back to Season 5 here on the Pipeline Show with P.K. Subban. P.K., thanks for joining us. And uh, I guess for a, a guy who's in his rookie season as a professional, the, the first question is usually the uh, the stereotypical one to ask how big the step up uh, has been to the pro level. But considering you're one point away from being the top-scoring blue liner in the entire American Hockey League, I, I guess uh, has it been an easier transition than perhaps you expected it would be? Oh, uh, well, I think that when you have uh, a good coaching staff like we do here at Hamilton with uh, – Guy Boucher and uh, Dan Lacroix, obviously on defense, and Marty Raymond. Um, they've made the game so much easier for a lot of players in terms of their teaching ability on and off the ice, and not only so much about the play on the ice, but as a person and maturing and becoming a pro. 
And uh, I think that's the biggest thing with me. Uh, obviously, working closely with uh, you know Dan Lacroix, he has so much experience and uh, you know information to offer to me. And uh, I've just sort of tried to be a sponge and tried to soak all that in. And so far, I've been pretty successful. And I mean, Guy Boucher, he's done an excellent job. I, I can't say enough about the job that he's done in terms of preparing me mentally to, to play this game at such a high level. But we actually have an email question that came in about Guy Boucher that I was going to get to later, but since you brought him up, uh, I'll just read you this email, and it comes in from Jeremy. What was your first contact with Guy Boucher like this year? Uh, do you feel he's a special coach? Uh, according to the emailer, we know that he likes to focus on the individual, and how did it apply in your case? That one again from Jeremy. And you, you talked about how he uh, kind of helps you both on and off the ice. Can you can maybe give some examples, expand on that a bit? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that... Uh... He's done a, a tremendous job in terms of preparing guys uh, mentally and, and and also physically, but I think more so mentally. I think that's where he's helped me in terms of how I uh, I look at the game and, and how I look at uh, practicing every day and how I look at just coming at the rink every day. I mean, uh, you know, you, you come to the rink to get better every day. And, and like he says, you know, when you come to the rink, it's either you get better, you stay the same, or you get worse, and, and it's your choice. And, uh, I think that, uh, you know, he's had a huge impact on all our players. And, uh, you know, he is tremendous one-on-one to be able to talk to him. Uh, you know, he's going to be he's honest with you, and he's going to tell you exactly what you have to do, uh, you know, to get to the next level. And, uh, you know, he's done a great job in, in helping me, and I look forward to the rest of the season uh, getting myself, uh, you know, ready, hopefully, for the next level soon. Did it help you a bit that uh, he was around the World Junior Club uh, last year when you were there? Uh, it was great playing at the World Juniors. Obviously, this is a pro now, so it's, yeah. a, it's a little bit different than the World Junior Championship, but to kind of uh, get to know him a little bit there right. and to understand his, uh, his coaching and a little bit. Obviously, he was in a little bit of a different role there, just uh, helping us with the power play. And obviously, our power play in Hamilton has been uh, incredible to this point. And, uh, you know, it was good to... to to, to play for him uh, at the World Junior Championship and get to know him a little bit. But it's definitely different here at Pro, and he's the head coach now. He's not the assistant coach. So, mm. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, Coach uh, Boucher, he's in a different role now. So, But, uh, you know, obviously it was great to, to, to get to know him a little bit there. P.K. Subban of the Montreal Canadiens and the Hamilton Bulldogs uh, joining Guy Flaming here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, P.K., right now you have a, a plus 22 rating to go along with uh, 27 points and. To be honest, when, when I think of P.K. Subban, I think offense first and foremost, and, and maybe that's uh, you know a disservice to you, but uh, you're, to me, in my opinion, you're known for the big shot and for leading the rush uh, like you did at the World Juniors last year for Canada. Uh, I didn't realize that aside from your first year in Belleville, you've always had a really impressive plus-minus rating. Is that an important stat for you? Uh, well, I think that uh, you know it can be. I mean, you look at a lot of players uh, – you know, who are always minuses. I mean, you look at Rod Brindamore, you know, one of the best two-way forwards in the NHL, and for the past couple of years, I think he's been a high minus. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, plus minus, it all depends on the situation. And, I mean, uh, you know, I've definitely taken pride in, in my defensive play. And, um, I mean, uh, you know, even strength, I've, I've definitely taken pride in, in keeping the puck out of my own net. But, I think uh, also sometimes my defensive game does get overshadowed, but, um, you know, because uh, of my offensive play and because I like to jump in the rush and because I like to be involved offensively. So I think that sometimes it can get overlooked. And uh, obviously my first year in Belleville was more of a learning year. And, mm-hmm. 
Uh, we had a pretty good team in Belleville, but I mean, uh, you know, you have to do your part. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, for the most part, Junior and the coach there, George Burnett, he helped me, uh, you know, develop both uh, parts of my game. And I think now, uh, you know, playing pro, Guy Boucher and uh, Dan Lacroix and Marty Raymond, they've all done a great job in now making me, uh, helping me make that transition to pro level. And uh, to see that, obviously, I have a good plus-minus rating. And uh, obviously, at the top of the league, it, it, it says something about my defensive game. and But it also says something about our team. I mean, we got a really good team, and there's not too many guys on our team that are minuses. So, I mean, uh, I think that's something safe to say about our team is that we all take pride in our defensive game there. Well, you're having a, a strong and impressive uh, first year as a, as a rookie pro uh, with Hamilton, and the Bulldogs are having a pretty uh, strong year as well. Uh, when you look up and down your roster and then at the other teams in the in the conference, uh, what do you think separates you from the pack, you as a team, not just you as an individual? I think our commitment uh, you know, to team defense, when we do it, I think uh, we're the best team in the league. I think when we commit to... Uh, playing in our own zone first and then and then going on the offense second, I think that we're the best team in the league. And uh, you know, uh, you know, Coach Boucher has said it time and time again, and he says it every game. You know, our commitment to defense has to be there, and uh, he's gotten us to commit to that. Uh, you know, uh, most nights, and I mean, uh, you know, it's it's tough as a coach to be able to get guys to do that at this level and get them to commit every night. And I mean, it's a credit to him. He's he's been able to do it. And uh, when our team does do it, we're the best team in the league. And uh, that's I think that's the biggest thing for us is that our commitment to defense has been on most nights. You know, eighty-five, ninety-five percent of the nights. The nights we don't do it, sometimes we still find a way to pull out a win because you know most good teams can find a way to win even when they're not playing their best. But. Uh, when we do lose sometimes, it's usually because maybe we're getting too ahead of ourselves or we're not committed to the D zone. So I think that's the biggest reason for us why we've been so successful this season. Another email question, this one coming from Mary in Montreal who wants to know, she asks, are you upset that you haven't been called up to the uh, this year to the Habs uh, and would you be fine waiting until next year for a call-up? I guess basically do you have a timeline in, in your own head uh, or a time frame on when you expect to be in the NHL? I mean, I always laugh when, when people ask me if I have a timeline or when do I expect to get called up. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, that's out of my control, and I'm not going to you know, sit here and play GM. I mean, my job is to get better every day. That's my job is to improve as a hockey player. I mean, I'm 20 years old. Uh, you know, my job is to get better every day. Whether I think I'm ready or not, that has nothing to do with anything. I mean, Bob Gainey and, and Jacques Martin and, and the organization there in Montreal, Guy Boucher here, Dan Lacroix, the organization here in Hamilton, they've done a great job in preparing their prospects. And when they think that I'm ready to be there, then, you know, if if everything is in the right position and, you know, it's time, then I'll be there. But, I mean, that's not my focus. Right now my focus is just getting better every day and, and coming to the rink and enjoying what I'm doing. And obviously everybody wants to play in the NHL, but I'm not the only guy in the AHL. There's tons of guys in the AHL that want to play in the NHL. So we're all here to work on something. So obviously there's a reason why I'm here. And, you know, I'm just trying to continue to get better and, and as a person and a player every day. And I think that that's all I can focus on. Great attitude, PK. Uh, what, you, know, you talk about just coming to the rink and trying to get better every day. Is there specific things that you're working on or just general across the board? 
Well, just competing. I mean, I think that uh, to this point, uh, I've learned so much. And, uh, you know, after Christmas, there was sort of a turn for me where now I started to become more of a pro. I mean, uh, I'll be the first to admit that I, when I came into the AHL, I mean, I still had that junior mentality. No matter how much you try and tell yourself and no matter how hard you try to change right away, you know, everybody goes through a learning curve at some point. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, that I hit that, you know, right before Christmas. And I think that, uh, you know, from the feedback that I've gotten back from the players, um, you know, especially the guys in the room, they, they're the first to tell me, well, you know, PK, we see that uh, you're maturing and we like the way that, uh, you, you know, you're at the rink, uh, you know, early all the time. You know, you're, you're focused before games, you're focused for practices, and you're in the gym. I mean, those things mean those things are really important. And I mean, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, it's been a huge learning uh, curve for me in terms of in terms of realizing that it, it is a job now. And if you want to make it, uh, you know, uh, a career, you have to, uh, you know, change that mentality. It's it's not junior anymore. It's pro, and uh, guys make a living playing here, and you have to take it seriously. And uh, um, everybody goes through it, but uh, I mean, I think that. That now I'm starting to really get that, and um, I think that that's part of the reason why I've been successful. And I think uh, the coaching staff here in, uh, in Guy Boucher and uh, working closely with Dan Lacroix has been unbelievable. I mean, he's he's brought a lot of that stuff to my attention, and uh, he's really helped me. You've represented your country a few times, and you've done it on home soil at the World Juniors last year in Ottawa. I want to get the the sense of how much pressure you feel as a player at a time like that and, and a couple that you know even a little bit more so for the guys this year who are you know trying to win a, a six straight gold medal something nobody's ever done can you just give me a sense of what that pressure is like well i think that uh you can't you can't do it all yourself you know i think that uh, when there's tons of pressure on yourself i think the, the only pressure that you have on yourself really is just to perform well you as an individual i think in a game like that everybody uh, you know needs to come together and uh you know the only pressure that i felt is like listen you know i have to do my part and uh, make sure that i hold up my end uh you know for the the 21 guys on the other team and and do it for them so i think that's the only pressure that i i really felt i don't think that i felt the pressure that you know, oh, we have to win, we have to win. You know you, you have to win, but I think that you can't have this mentality like uh, I have to do it all myself and, you know, it's, it's all on me if, if we don't win. I think that there's 22 guys in there, you know, uh, you know it's the tw- 22 best junior players in the world, you know, playing for Canada. So uh, really you just go out there and, and you get the job done and you do your part. And I, most of the time things fall, you know, the chips fall in the right place and, you know, you usually end up pulling it out. But, uh, I mean, uh, putting on that jersey, you know, there is some pressure there, but it's how you handle it, how you look at it. And I thought that uh, last year when I played, uh, you know, I, I did a good job of not putting too much pressure on myself. And I think I learned that from the first year. Well, PK, we're here in Edmonton, so I have to ask you about him. Uh, he scored the big goal against Russia in the semifinals last year, scored twice in the last three minutes to get Canada into overtime in the final this year. You played with him. Uh, give me one word to describe Jordan Eberle. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, 
he's a monster. There's a monster of being a correct word. Like uh, to be honest with you, I've never seen um, I've never seen a player be uh, you know so clutch. I mean, uh, clutch is another word that I'd use to describe him. Um, you know, when the game's on the line, uh, you know, the, and the puck's on his stick, there's no other player that you'd want when you know the the, the game's on the line and. Uh, you know, you want the puck on his stick, that's for sure. And I mean, uh, he's an amazing hockey player. And, uh, you know, for him, I, I, you know, I, I'm really, uh, I'm really happy for him and I'm proud. Um, you know, I'm a little bit upset that uh, I couldn't see him put the gold medal around his neck again this year because he, he truly deserved it. And, uh, you know, last year he was a huge part of our team. Um, you know, he was a team player the whole tournament, and I know that this year uh, it was really uh, hurtful uh, for him to, to, to not be able to win the gold again. But, uh, I mean, what a tremendous performance. To see him perform like that on the stage and take the team on his back there for the last three minutes and get the job done, and that's what it's all about. I mean, it's all about the guys that, uh, you know, who have been there before, and that's that's supposed to be, um, you know, the, uh, the advantage of having guys back from the first year is they know what they have to do in those situations and uh you know he did a, an amazing job and the whole Canada saw that and he really is a Canadian hero. All right, so one word we'll go with clutch because I think Pierre Maguire might have monster copyright. <laughs> I think so. That's we'll go with clutch. <laughs> PK, you're having a terrific year. I appreciate your time. Best of luck in the uh, AHL All-Star game this weekend. All right, thank you. Thanks a lot. There we go. That was P.K. Subban of the Hamilton Bulldogs, then the Montreal Canadiens, then the National Predators, and now the New Jersey Devils. And that is going to conclude all of the archived interviews that you heard on this week's episode. Let me uh, thank all of those guests once again. They didn't join me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline at the time, but in retrospect, they kind of do. Those guests, once again, going all the way back to the start of uh, this week's show, Evander Kane, Darnell Nurse, Eric Foley, Jordan Greenway, Jujar Kara, Tyler Sandu, Ethan Bear, Roddy Ross, Akil Thomas, Quinton Byfield, Seth Jones, and P.K. Subban. Also, thanks to a couple of the other voices that you heard over the course of the uh, the episode doing the interviews, uh, mostly Dean Millard, and also a uh, brief snippet there, I believe, of uh, the sports doctor, Taylor Medic. Pipeline Show will be back next week. Before then, just a quick thank you to everyone who has signed up to be a patron. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. All the interviews that you hear on the program on regular episodes are usually available two, three, sometimes even four days before a full episode comes out. Patrons get early access to all of that uh, content. So if that is of interest to you, a couple of bucks a month is all it takes. It's all done securely with your credit card through uh, Patreon and PayPal. I don't see any uh, credit card info or anything like that. Uh, and the support from listeners like you is really what's keeping the show going at this point. So it's uh, obviously greatly appreciated. The last few weeks I've been usually uh, signing off and, and saying be kind to each other. And that goes uh, double right now uh, with uh, a lot of chaos in the world. Just remind you that uh, racism is a learned behavior. We're not born racist. If you can learn that way, you can unlearn that behavior as well. You're not better than the, the person sitting next to you. You don't deserve more rights than anybody else if you're encountering racism or you're seeing racism and you're not the victim of it stand up treat other people the way you want to be treated that's it until next week my name is Guy Flaming stay safe we'll see you next week